Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 383. I am Peter and joining me as always is a sick Matt. Not sick like I'm sick. Sick like I'm not feeling well. So, yeah. Trust me, Matt, I have never said the word sick in the context of something being good in my life. <laughs> you should. Uh, it'd be very Mario of you to go way, way, way back. <laughs> this is someone that Matt knows named Mario, not the, the plumber from Italy no. who jumps in warp no. pipes, just to, just to oh. be clear. Mm-hmm. So, yes, welcome everyone. It's DC Comics Podcast. We get together, we talk about the books we read this week, and it was another hefty week. I read 10 yeah. books this week. Uh, so I, did I. Yeah, I figured it's the exact same 10. I don't think there was any variation, but here's the list anyway that we're going to be talking about today. Unless Matt surprises me with an extra one or two. Uh, we have Batman Off World, issue one. We got Superman, issue eight. Wonder Woman, issue three. Nightwing 108, Green Lantern War Journal issue 3, Batman Superman World's Finest 20, Titans issue 5, sorry? That's World's Finest 21. Oh, is it? Oh, I've not updated the number. That's my bad. Gotcha. That's my bad. All right. Uh, Titans issue 5, Justice Society of America issue 7, Jay Garrick the Flash issue 2, and Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue 2. Yes. Hefty list. I have to list the books. No solicits this week, though, so that was nice. Yeah. Uh, but, yes. Uh, lots to talk about. Lots of good books to talk about, even. So, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into all of that in a bit. But, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little rambling. We'll, we'll do some top ten and whatever else we tend to do on this show. So, yeah, you're sick, Matt. Yep. Started, started creeping in on Wednesday. I was off from work for the holiday. Thought I was fine. Went and played football Thursday or Thanksgiving. Immediately regretted that decision. Uh, and then stuck through Thanksgiving and then spent all all my last day off yesterday mm. on the couch watching movies. Not the whole day because I did organize 18 months worth of comics. <laughs> I've <I'm> just, <laughs> just been throwing into the guest room willy-nilly. Um so I organized those. I have to go get boxes. So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was my time. It is. I don't like being sick. I don't get sick that often, but when I do, it's, you know, uh, like, like when Ron gets sick on parks and rec, mm. it's very much the same. I, I too get hit hard with a cold or the flu. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, 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 you know, it's, it's, I don't one likes getting sick obviously, but it, it's, uh, I'm particularly miserable. I feel like I can't function. Whatever when, mm-hmm. when I'm sick. Yeah, my wife's one of the people that when she's sick, she can just sleep all day. I can't. I reach a limit of sleeping um, when I know there's things to be done, right? Even though if I'm not feeling good, like mm. I have movies to watch or I have things to read or 18 months worth of comics to organize, and I just can't. My brain won't shut off. Her, uh, I remember when we first moved into this house, she got sick almost like immediately. And while I was like putting stuff away and move, she's on the couch, just gone to the world. Like, and I've always been jealous of that. So, uh, so yeah, but at least I got all the books read on time. Like that was one benefit of it. I will say I get annoyed at Thanksgiving because mm-hmm. all of my YouTubes and podcasts and mm-hmm. things all pretty much take a break for like half mm-hmm. a week 
mm-hmm. for what to me is just a Thursday, and that's really <laughs> yeah. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, I have no new episodes of the things I listen to when I'm doing yeah. stuff on a Thursday and Friday this week, because everyone's just decided to take the last rest yeah. of the week off. Uh, some of those shows I listen to will throw up, like, a vault episode, uh, either something from their, like, Patreon or, or subscriber that, you know, if I'm not subscribed to, I haven't heard. Or they'll pull it from something that, you know, is, like, a fan-voted thing or a listener-voted thing, um, which which is always good for a listen because a lot of the stuff I listen to now is real deep into the years of doing shows. So mm. you forget a little bit of things. Um so, but yeah, but I'm also, I'm I'm behind. I haven't been listening to anything. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I uh, I I mean I get annoyed at Christmas with it as well. But at least I can mm-hmm. sympathize as someone who makes content that you do need some downtime once in a while. Yeah. Uh, Still though, I think it's funny I, to you that just a Thursday. Yeah, it's just uh, it was just a Thursday. But everything, the, the the place that makes the majority of online content that I seem to consume all just mm-hmm. decided to take a few days off. Uh-huh. But hey, we are here. It's the weekend. Yep. Not that it matters that much, but we're here. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some comics. And I'm going to serenade Matt with a top 10. A comicsology yep. top 10, you might say. Uh, if that word's even applicable anymore with the app getting just shifted off to the Kindle app. But, you know, whatever. I feel like just for the... We should still, in solidarity, call it the comicsology yeah. top 10. Out of tradition, more than anything yeah. else. It's the one place the word will live on. It's yeah. the start of our show for the top ten. Ugh. So, yeah, look at it Tuesday, then Wednesday, because that's how they split them up. Uh, uh-huh. just, they're just ranked in order of sales on Comixology. So, DC's Day, Tuesday. Matt, what is your guess for what's number one? There, there are some options here. Um, mm. I'm going to go with Wonder Woman. That is incorrect. Oh, Okay. The second guess is Nightwing. Incorrect. What? You're telling me Superman's number one? Incorrect. What? Okay, I give up. <laughs> yes. There's no bad... Oh, it's off-world. Son of a bee. Incorrect. What? <laughs> All right, I need to go back to bed and start this day over. Uh, number one is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Really? Hey, you know what? Good, good for that creative team. Uh... Yeah, that surprises me as well. I guess I, I, maybe the Monarch right. show being on's got people yeah. hyped up for for the monsters. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, uh, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but Matt Fraction and Marissa yep. Tamaki are both, or Mariko Tamaki, sorry, not Marissa, yep. uh, are both involved in that. Uh, but yeah, so cool. Uh, that, oh. That's number one. Number cool. two is Batman Superman World's Finest. <laughs> wow. Again. I have lost all sense of reality. Apparently. Number three is Wonder Woman. Mm. Number four is Superman. Number five is Nightwing. Number six is Titans. Seven is Justice Society of America. Eight is Batman Offworld. Okay. Nine is The Flash, Jay Garrick. Or Jay Garrick, The Flash, whatever way around mm-hmm. it is. Uh, ten is Green Lantern War Journal. So, very packed top ten. In fact, I believe that's the exact ten books that we read and we'll be talking about later uh for sure so yeah just with hot girl and Catwoman being out of the top 10 and then it's a bunch Mm -hmm. of trades and a bunch of classic marvel issues that went up online apparently in the past week Mm -hmm. uh so that was tuesday wednesday i don't know if you've got a guess 
I'm looking. I'm pulling them up now. Um, let's see. There's a bunch of X books to go with. There's also some Spider books. But my gut's telling me it's Immortal X-Men. It is Immortal X-Men. You mm. you were wrong five times in a row on the DC list. Uh, I got but, it out of my system. <laughs> but you got the Marvel one right away. Yeah. Uh, two is Invincible Iron Man. Three is Uncanny Spider-Man. Four is Wolverine. Five is Monstrous Volume 8. So that's a collection for, the, wow. for that one there. Uh, six is Amazing Spider-Man. Seven is Void Rivals issue six. So that's uh, Robert mm-hmm. Kirkman's book. And then eight is Avengers Inc. Nine is Incredible Hulk. And ten is Sensational She-Hulk. So mm-hmm. uh, a bit of an interesting ten there. A couple of non-Marvel books, which is nice to see. And there's a, an image book just out there. Number 11 is The Forged issue mm-hmm. six, uh, which has got Greg Rucker uh, mm-hmm. involved. So... Yeah, uh, it's just an interesting enough a lot of books this week across the yeah across all the publishers. It seems like judging by the my glance at the top ten here, it's a busy time, but lots of good books. So uh, that's uh, that's good to see. Mm-hmm. I don't see that last one you just mentioned coming up unless I'm just missing it on League of Comic Geeks. So that's interesting. I wonder if it was. Um... Uh, issue yeah. two, Sensational She-Hulk. Or are you talking about the no. image book? The image book, I'm sorry. Oh, The Forged. Uh, let me have a look yeah. here. It's a $7 book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Greg Rucka, Eric Troutman, with uh, Mike Henderson on the art. The Forged, yeah, I'm not... The end it's, of it's... an arc. Yeah? Huh? Is it possible it's digital first and wasn't out physically till later, maybe? Uh, maybe, could be. But yeah, it's not coming up unless I'm just I'm missing it in the scroll. So, um, yeah, interesting. Well, Matt's not, not realizes that he's filtered to exclude image books, so it's just not there. No, there's image <laughs> books because the Holy Roller's on there, which okay. I had to look that. Uh, so I know Tim picked up that book, and I was like, oh, what is this? And uh, it's apparently Rick Remender and Andy Samberg. So it's as if you know I'm looking for Tim's monkey paw wish to 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 work on that one. Um, oh. but yeah, I don't, I don't see this one from, from Rucka. So interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a top 10. Uh, weirdly, like not a lot to talk about, but not because there was a lack of books, just because, yeah, it's just packed. I guess, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Godzilla Kong book being number one for DC that's, is the most surprising thing in there. That's, that is very surprising. So... Uh, but we'll get to that later. That'll be the last book we talk about today. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we said, we have 10 books to get through, so we won't dilly-dally too much. We can get into business. Uh, we will yeah. kick off with Batman... Actually, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no comic book news, but there actually is some news that I had lined up to talk about. Okay. Uh, I forgot there for a second. Yeah, we had some castings for the Superman Legacy oh, yeah. movie. Uh, three roles have been cast this week. Um... Now, obviously, we already had Superman and Lois. They were done a while ago. Uh, yep. Now we have Nicholas Holt as Lex Luthor, which, yeah, I mean, I feel like they keep going for sort of skinny guys as Luthor. And yeah. In the comics, he's always kind of like, no, he goes to the gym. Like, he's not, he's not, he's not Hulk Hogan, but he goes to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I could see Holt packing on muscle, though. Like, he's, yeah. he's uh, rangy, as you would call, in, in like, sports. 
you know, like if you look at hockey players when they get the pads off, they're all kind of built like sprinters. Um, they look bigger because of the pads, but it doesn't mm. mean they're less, any less fit. Um, so I could see him being kind of that rangy style. I can see it. I can set him physically from Superman, right? I can see him being a narcissist, but I kind of, I think in the comics, and it, you know they've done a few sort of scrawnier Lexis, Jesse Eisenberg being the the most horrific mm-hmm. offender. Uh, <laughs> horrific. <laughs> I would describe it, but it fits nonetheless. Um, uh, but I guess, like, I always see Lex Luthor as he's drawn in comics to be kind of like, he is the alpha male in a lot of ways. He looks like mm-hmm. this alpha dude in a business suit. Uh, the only thing that's not alpha about him, I suppose, is the fact that he's bald, if you see that as non-alpha. Although, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of gym bros are bald, so it actually still fits well, to me. But they're bald for other reasons. It's not from <laughs> kryptonite poisoning and or an explosion. So... Um, so I know it's just this. Uh, it's interesting to me they've, they've went with someone like him again. That said, though, I can see him playing a narcissist. If you give me mm-hmm. a more maniacal version of the character he was in the menu, but just yeah. more like that's smart. That's that's <laughs> what I've been pointing towards. Is like take away the sniveling and like the kind of you know he can't because he nailed the can't get out of my own way mm. right in the menu, and that that's kind of Lex to a T. Um, but you got to add some competency on that. So yeah, he's not competent. He's a kind of pathetic yeah. in that movie. But yeah, you but... can take parts of it and yeah, mm-hmm. add those other qualities. You can totally see Lex yep. Luthor in there. Yep. Um, yeah, that said, maybe uh, Ray Fiennes will be his biggest weakness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he should be. I, well, so I'm, I'm not huge on the menu, but that scene uh, lives with me. Uh, just the way oh, that it's shot. And I love the, the menu. The menu blew me yeah. away. I, I went in not yeah. knowing what to expect and just finding mm-hmm. the, the commentary. and uh, It's yeah. one, honestly one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. It was making me cackle repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, um, lines like, this, in... this tackle will hold up in court. That line will <laughs> live in my, my head forever. Um, but yeah, just, just that scene in particular with him and... and uh, Let's fights. call it Tyler's Bullshit. That's a good name for yeah. the scene. And that's, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, just just the the way that it's shot and the captions that come up and um, very very snarky and funny, very cathartic, uh, I would say. Mm-hmm. As the scene goes. But, um, uh, so we also have a Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen, uh, mm-hmm. Skylar Gizondo has been cast as Jimmy. Now, if you just said that name, I wouldn't have known who you were talking about. Yeah. But you give me a photograph of this guy, and I'm like, I know who this is. Also, perfect casting. Yeah. Just give that man a bow tie and a camera, and he's already Jimmy. Just yeah, looking he, at him. He. This is. It's out of all the castings they've done for this movie. This is the one where I just take one fo- look at a photograph of the actor and go, "Oh yeah, this is actually the." Visually, they've nailed this. Uh, and having seen him in a couple of things like the Righteous Gemstones and whatever else, he he is perfect. He's, he's just he looks. Like you say, you put a bow tie on him, it's, it'd, it'd be like he's transported out of the 50s. He, he just mm-hmm. he has that vibe to him. Uh, so that's perfect. Uh, and then we also have Sarah Sampio as uh, Eve Tessmacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I hope they don't yell know, it. Don't I don't know who she is. Oh, the actor? Yeah. Oh, you know who Eve yeah. Tessmacher is. Yeah, <laughs> I know who Tessmacher is. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, it's a simple little thing, but I, I do kind of hope that Holt yells Miss Tessmacher at some point. It's a... Mm-hmm. Like, the the movie, the original movie's version of Lex, like, it's entertaining because it's Gene Hackman, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily what I think Superman fans of the comics want as a Lex Luthor. But yeah. the one little thing that I'll take from it that I'll keep in lore as a homage to it 
is the yelling of Miss Tessmacher's name. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that gladly. Uh, yeah, I don't know who uh, she is either, really. Uh, I'm just scanning to see if it tells me here in the article. Uh, do, 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 do. But they're all pretty much like I remember when they announced the you know the last go around of of Superman uh, castings, and they all seem very familiar uh, people. I like that a lot of these people are they seem to be either from like TV or from smaller projects. Uh, Holt, notwithstanding, Re- relatively. I mean, unknown feels maybe a bit too strong, but yeah, yeah. But like uh, Rachel Bronishan, she had that show on Prime for you know five seasons, and Corn Sweat's been in some things. Uh, yeah. So I don't really know either of them, though. Either I just like all yeah. I had to go on for them was the photographs and goes, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that being Lois. I could see him being Superman, I guess, I, but nothing much to really go yeah. on. Um, I think that helps too because they're able to kind of mold themselves into that. And you know. Tess Macker looks similar. The actress, like the biggest thing I think she's been in is the TV show Billions. Okay. And that seems to be one episode. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, well, and a few so, movies that I have not heard of. So she, she seems to be an up and comer. Yeah. Well, that said, she's but, 32, so she's not exactly like super young, but she's, <laughs> you know, up and coming in the sense that I've not seen her in anything. Yeah. Uh, I think she. I think she's a model first and an actor second. I think that's why she's only just. Getting so then she should strike there. an opposing fi- uh, figure as Tessmacher, which makes it feel like they're mixing Tessmacher and Mercy a bit. Yep. If mm-hmm. that's what they're going for. For sure. Okay. Nope. No. No notes. No. No I notes. Like that. Um. Real quick too. Uh, speaking of DC movies, I did watch Blue Beetle yesterday. Oh. Um. Yeah. Um. And it's it's pretty good um it's a shame that it, it came out when people seem to be on the downswing because uh, it's a perfectly fine movie i would have been okay spending ten dollars to see it in the theater um now if you're tired of the tropes i don't you know i think you would have been annoyed pete a little mm-hmm. bit because it kind of does all the superhero movie tropes but it does them <laughs> very very well and it, it's offset by the characters like all the characters are very vibrant and stuff so you're like yeah we're kind of going through the motions I mean, with the exception of, of Jenny, um, that they give Cord a daughter. So she her she's kind of not there. Kind of a nothing character. But okay. the, the rest of them, his whole family, uh, Jaime, um, even Susan Sarandon as Victoria, uh, it's it's well worth a watch if you got a chance. So I, I think the problem, uh, as you said, it's perfectly fine. And for me right now, when it comes to superhero movies, yeah. per- perfectly fine ain't sounding exciting to me. It's sounding... No, but where we were... So, like, I, I got a trailer. We went saw Thanksgiving as well. And I got a trailer for Aquaman 2, which I still can't believe is a movie that's going <laughs> to exist. Um, and that just looks like they overstuffed it again. It looks like there's 14 storylines going on, whatever, you know. And so for me, perfectly fine when it comes to the DC movies... I'm okay with because it's, you know, I can recognize what it is. It hits the character, you know, the beats of, of Blue Beetle that I, you know, I'm familiar with. It gets those, but it doesn't, you know, it's not beholden to certain things. Um, but, you know, it, it had a life to it that uh, a lot of these DC movies just haven't. And even the Marvel movies I've seen recently. Um, so, you know, kind of stuck out that way. Uh, and, Considering that it was made basically for Max, and then they decided to throw them to theaters, 
it's still wild to me that they're just gonna throw this up there when it was it was the same with uh evil dead rise that was made for yeah for like max yeah then... that's another one that was like you're just gonna let that go on a streamer like that's a pretty quality movie um so uh but yeah it's if you haven't seen it and you are listening and you're not pete because again i don't necessarily know if it's gonna help him like superhero movies again well i I think this is the thing we're seeing it with the box office numbers mm -hmm. i think once there's so much of something the standard for what's worth seeing from that that pool gets higher and higher because now it's like Mm -hmm. well if it's not at least an eight out of ten then why even bother at this point and like i'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule for everything but it it kind of feels like that with superhero movies now where anything that isn't exceptional now i just can't be bothered spending time on yeah, no, and, and I understand that. And I am I has this been painted by me seeing it at home under my blankets on the couch? Maybe, right? Well, like sick just a, at a fever yeah, dream. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the fever dream came from watching Batman Returns with Ash last night, which I haven't seen in a couple <laughs> couple years. And I can't, I don't know if it was the cold medicine or what, but man, who my friends that say that that's a good movie, like you, you could like it. It is not a good movie. Like, you can have nostalgia for it. It's not a Batman movie. It's Tim Burton's weird world where he just wants, like, his over the top penguin and Catwoman to, like, chew scenery. That said, I, like, I hate that movie because I think it horribly just doesn't get Batman. That said, though, Christopher Walken's entertaining. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll give it that. I would say Danny DeVito's fully committed, like, uh, as, as the penguin. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's pretty good and Keaton's you know batman but like when when batman just lets the ice princess fall and doesn't even try to save her it that's so un-batman you know he just looks at her was like "Eh." (laughs) it goes to fight the penguin you know so at least i think that's what i saw i don't remember i was under a lot of nyquil Mm. so does he have a one-liner in that movie where he says the floor's high in fiber (sighs) maybe Again, See, cold medicine. I, I don't know if that's a line in the movie or if it's a line in a YouTube video making fun of the movie, and I can't remember yeah. now. They've blurred together in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Um, Something about yeah, you're going to eat the floor, it's high in fiber. Something, uh, But I don't know if that was actually in the movie or just someone made a joke about it that's now attached to that scene in my head. Regardless, I can look. It, it, oh, I mean, look it's at... not. It's not boiling hot acid, right? Or what's the, what's the line from Forever? It's boiling acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sticks out. And he said floor high in fiber. Something to that effect, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, we were just looking for something a little bit of the season to watch last night. Um, so in one of the Batman video games, there is an achievement called Eat Floor High Fiber Achievement. <laughs> so, so well yeah, someone else eat, has heard this joke at least yeah <laughs> also on reddit it says eat floor high fiber batman returns um so that is a line okay yeah okay so we're, I'm, I'm we're imagining the movie. It. i don't remember i i, I want to say it's just yes. before the princess but you were talking about i think it's when he goes yeah. to try and save her i could be wrong gotcha. so it's been a while myself Yes, um, so. don't get me wrong Michelle Pfeiffer in that outfit yeah. did things to me as a young boy that I didn't understand yet it, like yeah. like there, there was something to parts of well, it but I kind of hate it, it as a Batman fan now. And, my, and my poor wife had to go hear me go off and look I'm not even a Catwoman fan but <laughs> she is barely Catwoman in that movie right like there is nothing that makes her Selena Kyle she has the outfit me. that's but, that, that's it but yeah but even then it, it's the outfit and the whip and you know but 
just a lot of her attitude and all of this other stuff is very barely. Well, she's she's more psychotic to be honest yes. than that yes. movie. Which is which is fine. You can do a psychotic Selena, you know, for you know reasons. But yeah, it yeah, was. But, but Penguin's also psycho. Everyone's psychotic. <laughs> yeah, Batman's well, psychotic. And because we've never had this discussion on the show, why why does Penguin have a Joker gang? Like they're all circus people. It, uh, like I get it. He's a freak, right? I'd say they're out of, like they're the out of work Joker goons, but Joker's goons all wore purple jackets and hats mm-hmm. in the last movie, so I, I I don't know. Again, it was just it's Batman on sheer vibes only, right? Mm. So, but yeah, just again, have her not seen it in a couple of years because I want to go through the Nolan movies because it's been a while since I've given those a rewatch. I know you just did them all for Collector's Cut uh, and coming up for Oppenheimer, right? Uh, did you no, not do the Batman. They did all the other Nolan movies. Gotcha. Uh, there's, um, already, there's already pretty good Batman reviews for me and Connor from a couple of years ago gotcha. that are already there. So uh, gotcha. we did every but, yeah. Nolan except the Batman movies. Well, okay, and except the sci-fi movies because we did them in Ace as well. But everything else we did. <laughs> so everything that's not nerd focused. Uh, yeah, we did. You know, we following yeah. Memento, Insomnia, Prestige, yeah. uh, Dunkirk, uh, and Oppenheimer. Gotcha. There you go. But yeah, so we're I'm gonna get for those, but I thought maybe after Christmas. I don't want to start Batman Begins right now, uh, but maybe I should have <laughs> instead of Batman Returns. Instead of Returns, you Pete, absolutely should have. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I always thought Pete was just being harsh on that movie because how much he hates it. And I'm like, uh, it's a Pete thing. But then I'm watching it last <laughs> night and being like, oh my god! <laughs> Even well, the last time I watched this, it, I, you know. I'll ask you the question I always ask people when I'm talking yes. about my returns, Matt. Describe yep. one moment in that movie where Batman does something heroic. You can't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't. Like, yeah. Uh, does it feel like he wins? Does it feel like he saves the day? No. I don't think it did. <laughs> no? No? Because, I mean, he lets he lets Catwoman electrify uh, the, the villain. Again, I don't want to spoil this. People should go. If you haven't seen Returns, guys, do, <laughs> do yourself a favor. Drink some cough medicine if you need it. And, and watch Batman Returns. Um, or watch yeah. a good Batman movie instead, uh, maybe? Maybe. Uh, you got three Nolans yeah. and a Matt Reeves. Like, pick one of those. Go for it. Or Batman yeah. Mask of the Phantasm, even, if you want, yeah. want to go animated. True. I know Ash turns to goes, well, who's the best Catwoman? And uh, no one thing about my wife. She does not like Anne Hathaway. So <laughs> I, have to, I have to choose. I go, well, here, here's the thing. I've only seen the Batman once, so I can't really judge Zoe Kravitz, right? as Catwoman. Um, so just by default, it has to be Anne Hathaway. And then I, I went to duck, you know, to make sure there's nothing flying my way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things or those movies, man, people hold them up because of nostalgia, but whew, rough times. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Blue Beetle. If you guys are any curious about it, I would say it is worth it. Um, you know, it's on Max. Give give it a watch this this season. Sitting at home, you know, instead of spending time with your family, watch Blue Beetle. Yeah, okay. Fine <laughs> <laughs> advice, I guess. Uh, I'll tell you what you shouldn't watch. You should not watch Home Alone Four or Home Alone yeah. Five or even Home Sweet Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> My struggling here. <laughs> I expected one of those, not the entire 
number and of them. I didn't even say Home Alone. Home Alone 3 is not good, but compared to 4 and 5, it's like yeah. Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I would say Home Alone 3 is a fine kids movie. You know what I mean? For whereas two, 1 and 2 are very good family movies. It, it doesn't have any of the wit or the, the charm yeah. that 1 and 2 do. Uh, yeah. they're, they're smarter even even though compared to like a serious movie they're very kiddy when you mm-hmm. actually compare it to home alone 3 you realize just how like smart they are for what they are because yeah, then you see an actual kiddy movie and you're like oh shit yeah this could be way dumber this could be way more yeah it, it's the john hughes effect he's, he's able uh, to humanize these characters in silly predicaments right um i, I get wait i don't even produce did he even write it though no, I think I'm Did pretty sure John Hughes wrote both of them. He may have done that. I, I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. I don't know. I just know he produced yeah. it, uh, and Columbus directed them. But yeah, uh, four four is the worst one. Home Alone four is that's the one with uh, the guy from Third Rock. With it Stewart. is. He's playing yeah. Marv, but he's dressed as Harry for some reason. <laughs> wow. That, and, a, um, and the kid's supposed to be Kevin McAllister, and they reference loosely the first two movies, yet he's younger than he was in the second movie. Uh, he's also a terrible little shit who I wanted to see get grabbed and thrown into a meat grinder, but that's a whole other, okay. whole other discussion. Yeah, he wrote the first two, John Hughes. Okay, so, fair enough. Yep, credit where credit's due then. Yes, so... Uh, but yeah, yeah so, so don't watch Home Sweet Home Alone then. I mean, uh, it's better than four and five. Like, I'm not... Yeah, but like... If I have better things to watch this season. Yeah, I mean, our, our reviews yeah. and collector's cut will be coming out over December, mm-hmm. all six of them. Uh, yeah. Home Sweet Home Alone, like, at least I, I can commend it for trying something different, but the, yeah. the biggest problem with it is that they, they spend so much time focusing on characters that are not the kid, that the kid feels like an afterthought in a Home Alone movie. tacked on. Which is really weird, because it's a Home yeah. Alone movie. <laughs> Plus, they get Turn a bit nostalgia wankery. Uh, as well. Yeah, that, I remember when it came out. Did it come out two years ago? A year ago? Uh, 2021, uh, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I remember that being the, the thing everybody was talking about. So. Uh, Go on, say the line you said in the first movie. Go on, say it. <laughs> say it. Let everyone cheer because they remember the thing you said in the first movie. Yeah. You say it again here. People like remembering things. Clap your hands. <laughs> Uh, you sound like refines in the menu. <laughs> uh, that that tone is like all I could hear in my head watching, say, like uh, Rise of Skywalker. All, all, all yeah. I feel that entire movie is like, hey, clap your hands, they got a lightsaber. <laughs> I, I will say, not a lot of Star Wars movies made me angry enough to throw a hat, but that one did. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh dear. They were actually challenging. I wasn't, I wasn't ah. clapping. I was. I was throwing. We we so. uh, just did the original trilogy on Ace. We just done mm-hmm. Jedi a couple of weeks ago, and the original mm-hmm. trilogy is pretty good. Like, like people think I hate Star Wars, and I hate most of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but I I think you more hate the idea of what Star Wars has become. Yes. You don't hate the original the original framework for things, but just this big sprawling, massive pop yeah. culture and nostalgia. Which it, I think. it's very sprawling, but at the same time, it feels really small because they always have to tie back into Skywalker and shit. It does. It's such a big galaxy, and you know, give them credit for trying. But sometimes I feel like they can't help themselves. You know, uh, I don't think I've ever like going back to Rise of Skywalker. The moment, and 
I guess spoilers for Rise of Skywalker if you care <laughs> about the family line in Star Wars. But the moment that Ray's just told you're a Palpatine, I don't oh. think I've ever just let out like a groan, like as audible as I did watching that in theater. I was like, <sighs> just this the the discontent, like you, oh. you and me both. Jesus, I just there's there's things in there that I just you know. Rather not. Then there's other moments that really did land for me, um, for personal reasons. But yeah, most of it just just don't. The the entire third act. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't remember most of it to be honest. I, I, that that groan that you did was me the entire third act of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I've seen it twice. I saw it's the first of the recent Star Wars movies that I haven't seen multiple times in theaters. Um, and then we watched it at home a year later, and I went ah. Maybe I was too rough on it, and upon home release, with I don't think I was harsh enough. Uh, so yeah, because the know. glitz of the opening night fever or whatever yep. isn't there to like help the the, yep. the cracks. So help even massage worse. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I <sighs> I'll, I'll see it again at some point because we're going to eventually do them all on mm-hmm. Ace. We'll do the whole. Whenever there's actually a new Star Wars movie coming out, which who knows when that'll be, because Disney yeah. fumbled the ball on this so much. But whenever that happens, we'll make sure we've done them all for then. So, next up is the prequel trilogy. It's not on the schedule for the next six months, but pro- maybe by the end of next year. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I definitely have to watch Pete's reactions to these. I would. Ju- I would love just like a like a, a watch along with with just your expressions. <laughs> well, no commentary. Just yeah, there's the just, silent camera on me as I. Uh huh. And and me trying to get you know. I know that kind of defeats of a watch along, but trying to guess what scene you're exactly reacting to, <laughs> I think would be very funny. Uh, I, f- I feel like I would be very stoic, but you'll just sort of see me gradually slide in my chair until I'm just like hunched over at the end. Pete's not much of a drinker, but he gets to attack the clones and he, he becomes <laughs> Connor for a hot second. <laughs> uh, but that's just drunk on insanity. That's not. <laughs> I don't need any substances to help along yeah. with that. Oh my goodness. Well, we should talk about books now. I didn't mean to put us off on such a sidetrack. I just wanted to let people know that if you're if you're watching or listening to this, uh, you like comics, and you should probably give Blue Beetle a, a shot if you, if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, if you don't feel like it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not telling you to. I'm just. It's a. It's a mild suggestion. Um. But yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the books then. Mm-hmm. Batman Offworld, issue one. This is Jason Aaron and Doug Mankey. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure where you put this, but I thought oh, it's a number one from Jason Aaron. Yeah. I should probably open the show with it and and uh, dive into it. Because, you know, I didn't make a point of looking into what this was too much. I'm sure we read the solicit text back when mm-hmm. it first got put out. But um, I think... Surprise number one for this, and this isn't mm-hmm. apparent at the start of the book, this is something that comes in a bit later when you get like a flashback mm-hmm. to when he was still mm-hmm. on Earth, is that this is only a year after he became Batman. Mm-hmm. I, that surprised me. I didn't realize this was going to be like sort of early days Batman story. So right. that's interesting. I think this book looks nice. I think it's very well told. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of badass kind of inner monologue moments for Batman that I really like. 
Um, I will mm-hmm. say that conceptually, the idea that Batman realized that there was going to be alien threats and he hadn't trained against alien threats, so he threw himself into the furthest reaches of the universe <laughs> to take on new alien threats with no like hope of getting home or translation, just so he could train to be a better Batman. Little yeah, far fetched for me, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can understand if there was a thing that like, not because Batman's not really powered by revenge but there's some type of threat to gotham that had come in so he goes to investigate it and that's how he ends up in space not because trading you know yeah uh, i was i was hoping that on my bingo card yeah because they do the they do the flashback where it kind of implies when he first encounters an alien from this region <laughs> of the universe that this is why he's out here he's out here to train so he can take on threats like this but the way the flashback ended i thought oh no it feels like there's more to the story like he's He's commenting that he's not ready for this threat because he's not yep. trained against it. But the narration later on heavily implied that that's just straight out, that he made the choice to come mm-hmm. out here just to train against threats that he's not fought before. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's also like early days Batman, probably before the Justice League exists, before he knows yep. Superman, it just feels a bit weird that he would go this. It Yeah, it's crazy to me that he's meeting a Tamaranian before he meets a Kryptonian. Yeah, right? that's Just that's in nuts. my head. That is very nuts. That said, though, like, that one conceptual issue put aside, I do think this is a strong Mm -hmm. written and, you know, told book. It's, like, I think the, the way it starts off with, like, you have, like, these aliens that are wearing suits so you can't see how different they Mm -hmm. look. You you just assume they're human, effectively. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, oh, there's some sort of alien ships, like, docked with ours, and they're they're going into it. It's kind of like the start aliens when they're going into the... Mm -hmm. The, uh, the pod where Ripley's sleeping and it's very mysterious and then you see their faces and they've got these weird alien mouths and big sharp teeth and all that and the joke here is that no Batman's the alien he's this unknown mm-hmm. entity that these beings have never seen anything like before so yeah. when they start seeing glimpses of them they're like oh he's got wings but he seems to be flightless and, you know, and he can produce a vapor like a gas yeah he smoke bombs <laughs> yeah and and you know uh, which was very fun because Jason Aaron's really good at, at this type of storytelling where he can take something familiar and make it seem unfamiliar. Like he did that a lot in Thor and in the Avengers um, when when I was reading those. And then even in a lot of his independent works, he'll take the familiar and make it seem alien. So here where he's taking the alien and making it seem familiar in parts, I really like. Right. Because when we when he starts talking about the captain that, you know, he's that's that's any number of type of person on Earth. You know, the Batman knows how to deal with it. Just physiologically, he can't uh, yet because he doesn't know the weaknesses and whatnot. Yeah, um, they, they send in more men, they send in robots to help fight him. Batman mm-hmm. decapitates a robot with a chainsaw, mm-hmm. which there's a visual. I'll, I'll give it's, it that. Yeah, and uh, Doug Banky back on his, I would call this his Green Lantern stuff, right? Cause, oh, sure. Uh, I can see why you say that, yeah. You know, he's he's doing the alien stuff. He's doing these big, cool, like, hero moments, like Batman with that electric chainsaw. Uh, and it just looks super rad. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, yeah, like, I think Aaron's got a better handle of the voice than, say, Zarsky does, because there's a moment here mm-hmm. when the aliens are coming in and Batman's trying to use his normal tactics, and he basically says in his narration, they don't know who I am. They don't even know what mm-hmm. a bat is. They don't know how to feel the Batman, and then there's just one yeah. little narration box saying, "Not yet." Not and yet, yeah. that, that, that's like, okay, that was a bad. Like sometimes I think writers always try to make Batman sound badass, and mm-hmm. I think a lot fail, and it comes off a bit tryhard. 
mm-hmm. that simplicity of just not yet like they will yeah. learn to fear me is it's pretty oh, cool it goes to what like nolan did in those first movies where i remember watching a behind the scenes feature and they wanted batman's fighting style to be like not robotic but but simple right why mm. why do a jump spin kick when just a regular roundhouse will do and I feel that's what Aaron gets with, with Batman's voice is like, there's no reason to have these big, long monologues when he can just add a not yet. It's efficiency. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's direct and to the point. He's not someone to, mm-hmm. you know, be, unless he's, tr- unless it's the theatrics to scare people, which is again, right. which is embellishing things by mm-hmm. and large. He's a very to the point character. He's, he doesn't mm-hmm. have time for small talk. He wants to, right. you know, beat the bad guys. So yeah, he's he's locked up. He gets knocked out by the aliens. He wakes up as a Tamaranian there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Do we get a name for her? Uh, it's Ioni. Ioni. Or Ione. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, of course, I'm gonna remember the Tamaranian's name. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> it's one of my brands. And she's got like uh, she's got like a, a bit of a, a harsher look than Starfire. She's got mm-hmm. uh, sort of face. <laughs> she's paint. orange. She's orange Gamora. For lack of a better yeah, term. she kind of is actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah, orange Gamora with uh, even brighter orange hair. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and and she's what's known. So this whole little group that they're in, right? So, um, with with these pirate, I guess they're pirates or they're like slavers, right? Is they yeah, go and they find they they mention uh, so they're traveling in this big ship which has an artificial. Mm-hmm like galactic storm. storm that's around it and they basically steal people and slave them mm-hmm. to do their their bidding and if you if they don't think you're going to be particularly useful they'll yep. give you the jobs that will just end in your death like i think mm-hmm. one of them's like clearing debris from the, the the jets or whatever it is yeah doing that or, or you know you know mini all cleaning that type of stuff yeah so we see um, batman with a mop at one point in this yeah <laughs> this comic um, which is an interesting what I want to talk about with her is, is she's what's known as a storm chaser and it says that like she goes and retrieves people that escape. Um, so yeah. I, I feel like she's not, you know, uh, you know, a lot more shades of gray than I think we're going to see. Cause I don't see Aaron setting that up without her having to go retrieve Batman at some point. Oh, for sure. Like she's been you set know? up as the second main character of this book. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's interesting. I like her though. So far, she's yeah. interesting. Um, I will say that um, they, they do a bit of a quick explanation because I, th- I was thinking about this during the, the whole opening segment where they're coming onto the ship and looking for Batman and he's trying to do mm-hmm. his usual stealth stuff and it ends with him, you know, getting knocked out. And that's the, the first third or so of the book. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that, okay, all these aliens are talking to each other and we get this main alien with the horns who's like the main bad guy mm-hmm. on the ship and he's like calling the shots and he's the one that comes in and knocks out Batman. They're all talking to each other, and Batman's just narrating to himself. And I was thinking, oh, are they all speaking an alien language? Obviously, it's been translated for us, the reader, but are they right. all speaking a different language? And when Batman wakes up and he can understand the Tamaranian, he actually yeah. questions, like, why can I understand you? Mm-hmm. So they have a quick sci-fi explanation, is that they've implanted them with, like, a a translator chip so that all the slaves could communicate. Which I guess makes some sense, because if they're stealing yeah. people off different worlds constantly... They all need to be able to communicate, so mm-hmm. I guess they had a solution, and now yeah. we don't have to question it. It's just well, they at least need to be able to communicate with him, right? To yeah. tell him what he has to do. So, but I do like when he goes, "You speak English?" She goes, "Never heard of it." <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's some you know, there's some character to her, um, yeah. but yeah, and and it wasn't fumbly like the sometimes when you get that kind of explanation, they, they you kind of stumble on it, or maybe we're just used to Zadarsky. 
this point. <laughs> I kind of. I mean, over look, I'm just going to say, Jason Aaron is typically a better writer than Zarsky. Well, at least with mm-hmm. Batman, anyway. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's a little moment here uh, where she's uh, Iona, or Ioni, sorry, mm-hmm. is trying to deduce why Batman's here, that it must be for love. Like, he came here intentionally. She, she deduces mm-hmm. that and says, you didn't just end up here. You you came looking for this. And the question is why. It must be for love. Like, so what's their name if, you know, if, if you went to all this trouble? And I kind of liked it in the moment as she's saying that. I was thinking, you know what, she's thinking it's a romance. And all I could think was, this is about the say. This is about mm-hmm. the love of, like, Gotham itself. This isn't about Selena. Because I think that's what you might be tricked into thinking. Oh, is it Selena he's here for some for some reason? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He's here because his one true love, Gotham City, is in trouble. So we get, like, a flashback to when... Uh, it looks like the main dude that's on the ship, the leader with the yeah. horns that shows up. Maybe it's just the same species, I would uh-huh. presume. Uh, but some gangster on Go- in Gotham has one of these alien dudes show up and Batman is perturbed, to say the least, that he yeah. he doesn't know how to fight this thing because he doesn't know his phys- physiology and whatnot. Uh, there's a running gag in the book. We go back to the, the future, or the, the present day timeline, if you will, mm-hmm. and there's a running gag even before this point where there's these like test robots that are designed just to like practice fighting yeah. and the sort of running gag is that the robot robot no matter what will always say things like that was a great punch sir you may punch me some more if you like and there's a few mm-hmm. funny moments where it seems like the robot's just begging to be hit because that's its yeah. purpose and batman you know takes off like part of his outfit he's got he's he's, he's doing the whole topless with a cowl on kind of you know mm-hmm. fighting razal ghoul look yeah and he says to the robot look I need to learn how to fight all these bastards. So I want you to fight me like they would fight. And the robot's like, you mean Punchbot can punch, punch back? back? He's like, <laughs> yes. Fight me like all these different aliens. Like, we'll start with this main race and then we'll go through yep. every species on this ship. And the robot's like, this will cause you immense physical pain. He's like, I know do it <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i, I enjoy the, the storytelling here and then the, yeah the end ending is him getting the, the shit kicked out of him by the robot and him just saying i'm not uh you know i'm not one of them i'm not anywhere close not yet so it ends with that not yet again so it brings mm-hmm. it back around so i think it's a really well-told comic i think it looks really great um I think it's interesting that this is coming out while superman lost is still going on because it was hard yeah. not to compare them a little bit yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and that's I, I, what you're talking about the sci-fi in this versus the sci-fi in that. Where mm. one of my big problems with Superman Lost was it was like that writer I'm drawing a blank on right now. Uh, was a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, priest was almost like he had read a physics book and was trying to you know throw Superman into it. This came off as the kind of sci-fi that is more pop culturey and you know easily uh, much more easily accessible. You know, um, so yeah, yeah. I think this dishes the information out in a way that's fun. And mm-hmm. even though Batman getting into space and being around none of his supporting cast and only being with aliens isn't typically what I'd say I want from a Batman book. Mm-hmm. One, it helps that there's like four other Batman books going on that are all doing Batmany things, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I think too the way it's written draws me in and has already given me a villain it's already given me a character who might be an antagonist or an ally depending on how ioni goes in the plot 
it's already given me mm-hmm. these things and it's it, it had some humor with the punch but it's given me enough context and enough grounding that i'm like okay i'm actually kind of interested in the story even if conceptually there's one or two th- it's like okay batman shooting himself into space yeah. to do this is a bit just kind of nonsense it's not because batman but it's kind of in the same sort of flavor is because batman yeah. <laughs> he did spend 532 million dollars to do this yes which i guess I have, to, I have to ask again how how rich is bruce because exactly? i know he's i know he's a billionaire but that's a lot of money yeah. even to a billionaire yeah i mean that's half a billion like, right there so how many billions does he have this is important mm-hmm. i don't know anyway uh, not bad though I, I think Mankey's yeah. art's very good he's got the heavy inks that I, I associate with mm-hmm. Mankey uh, I think all the alien species look really cool I love how bright and colourful everything in space is um, even the Tamaranian obviously is all these bright oranges and mm-hmm. and even some purple sort of mixed Purple's, in purples, greens yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of green even the the big two page uh, spread of the ship coming through the storm mm-hmm. again it's a lot of pinks greens purples all that sort of stuff and then the flashback in Gotham looks more like a typical Batman book. It looks yep. more like, you know, your your typical blues and stuff yep. of that. Uh, very distinct, you know, uh, very natural looking in comparison. And I mm-hmm. think uh, that distinction goes a long way in the art just to give it a really cool vibe. So this is by far not the first thing I would have said I wanted from a Batman book or even a Jason Aaron Batman book. Although I can see kind of how you can compare this to his Thor a little bit by saying, mm-hmm. no, it's intergalactic. It's just not the first character you'd expect to take on no. this journey. But, I mean, so far, the the rating of Batman's inner monologue is on point in a way that I really don't like about Zarsky, whereas here it feels mm-hmm. like it's right. Despite the ridiculous circumstances in, he sounds right. Right. So, Which, that's kind of the trick as the writer, right, is to make you be like, oh, is that going to work? And then he makes it work. Yeah. So, so. Uh, but, but, yeah, it definitely makes me, you know... Um, I'm a lot more hopeful about his Superman, right? Because sometimes I think Batman, for for all this talk of all writers want to work on Batman and stuff, sometimes I think it's a, it's a lot more of a of a hassle to get Batman right, almost than Superman. Hmm. Um, so when knowing how he he did this, I'm a lot more eager to read his action comic stuff that's coming out next year. Yeah. Uh, I am curious because he obviously is doing this which is very much like its own little corner mm-hmm. of a book uh, arguably even out of continuity depending maybe they'll say mm-hmm. it's in continuity by the end uh, yeah. some sort of thing in present day I don't know but he's doing this I know he's doing three issues of action but it is just like a three issue thing I do wonder mm-hmm. if these DC projects are going to lead to Jason Aaron being on an ongoing like a big mm-hmm. ongoing book properly yeah. Uh, by the time we get to the end of 2024. I'm kind of expecting it just based on these two mm-hmm. projects that he's on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which book it would be, but... Uh, I mean, those are both pretty high profile, right? Between Action and a Batman mini. Yeah. You know, so... It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up replacing Zarsky. And maybe I'm kind of hoping that. I don't know. Yeah, that, <laughs> but... that's that. Speaking out, because normally I would say, because him, after reading his story, I always wanted to know what he would do Superman. But now reading this, I'd love to read a Green Lantern core book. Sure. From sure. from Aaron to see what kind of fun space shenanigans we can get into. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be Hal or John. I mean, we have a whole core to work with, right? I almost wish it could kind of go back to not an anthology, but, you know, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps. Well, it wouldn't even have to replace either of the two books that are out just now. It yeah. could just be a third Green Lantern book, which yeah. I don't know if the market's there to support that necessarily, it's, but it's yeah, there's nothing in saying but, that you can't do that. 
Yeah, so, but yeah, it's uh, very, very surprised by this. So I put this off for as long as I could uh, this week and was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think I, I was putting it off as well because I, I think conceptually I just wasn't that into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, but hey, that, that ended up being quite good. So I guess yeah. we're ready to rate Batman Off World issue one. Mm-hmm. What are you giving it, Matt? I give it a solid seven point five. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think it just about gets to the eight. Like conceptually, mm-hmm. I've got some misgivings, but it was well told. Mm-hmm. It looked great. I'm I'm down to see what the rest of the story is, and it's it's kind of a little bit Superman loss for Batman. It's also a little bit mm-hmm. of War World saga for Batman as well in a, yeah. a way, you know. And that they're all enslaved, and he's going to mm-hmm. go up against the the Mongol, if you will, of of the yeah. ship. So I'm, I'm curious, curious mm-hmm. to see how that goes. So very good. Superman issue eight legacy number eight five one Joshua Williamson rating with Gleb Melnikov, David Baladeon, and Jamal Campbell on the R. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give Superman credit right now. Is that while it's had some rocky issues here mm-hmm. or there from Williamson, um, I'm finding it very easy to remember everything that just happened mm-hmm. in the previous issue. Like as soon as this started, I was like, okay, I remember exactly where we were. Uh, with the chained and like him meeting farm and graft and the fight that had just happened so when this started with a little flashback to young chained obviously it wasn't right. called that at the time yeah um i think they mentioned a name here um yeah, yeah sammy striker yeah i knew it was striker obviously because he's uh mm-hmm. striker's son but uh basically lex has still got a little bit of ginger hair <laughs> here and just like wisps he's trying to come over and yeah. it's not working for him but it turns out the reason why Superboy Connor Kent uh, sort of c- connected to his powers a little bit is because Connor's telekinetic powers are literally a diluted version of mm-hmm. the chain's powers. There's there is a and Ta- there, tactile know, telekinesis. And Lex was involved in the creation of mm-hmm. both of them. Uh, yep. Not not of him as a person, but in giving him no. powers, he was involved in. Yeah. So mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, so that all ties together. Uh, Grafton Farms show the chain what Lex has been up to over the past couple decades. Whilst and he in. doesn't take that news very well. Oh, <laughs> he's just like, yeah. we got to tear the lithic cord down, even though there's a big Superman logo on there now. Oh, he's uh, yeah, he's not happy. He sees the president uh, Lex. He's 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 mm-hmm. not feeling good about it. Uh, so superman goes to lex uh to demand some answers lex is a little bit snippy about not being saved from being stabbed but he's like you know what the old lex would have plotted revenge from this second on but i'm the new lex so i'm not going to do that i'm still not sure i believe you lex but I, yeah 100 percent i don't because the fact that if he was really new lex he would have been like oh i understand there's 14 other things you were dealing with at the time this lex is like you didn't save me all right well i'll remember this <laughs> you know uh, it's just i gotta give williams some credit here on making lex the pettiest version and i'm always i'm always down for petty lex yeah i am definitely enjoying this chain storyline more just because mm-hmm. it feels like it's getting enough time to actually tell its story it's a lot more focused yeah uh so the chain shows up at the hospital and grabs lena luther and is mm-hmm. like hey you have your your dad's eyes oh uh, I'm going to kill you to upset him. Uh, obviously, Superman and Connor uh, sort of fly off and he's changed yeah. to pull him away, which mm-hmm. saves the kid. Uh, she still doesn't like her dad very much. And Lex looks 
miffed about this for a panel before he's yep. ready to go back into into work. Uh, so we get another big fight with the chained, and mm-hmm. Lex has got you know Mercy or whoever also working on a solution. Uh, it all bubbles out down to Clark getting a, a suit because it turns out the one weakness that he programmed into the powers of the chained was this radioactive meteor rock that he found in Smallville. So would you believe it? His weakness is kryptonite. <sighs> yeah, I think that's a little bit weird, though. I'm just going to be like, uh, like, a part of me doesn't even care what Williamson goes with this. It's, it's very Smallville. Right, that the mm. the meteorite is, you know, the 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 cause for and the solution to all of the answers on that show, <laughs> uh, of all the problems. Right? Oh yeah, every freak of the week had some yeah. had some kryptonite in their their cereal, and that's why they had powers. That yeah, was the the plot of know, every episode almost. You know, so so here's that, but it does give us a very cool visual of Clark showing up in the suit. Which, if if Williamson's trying to sell action figures, I uh, put me down <laughs> for one of these. Yeah, it's like, it's like a cool. Superman astronaut suit with like bright uh-huh. green kryptonite gloves, like gauntlets. Like. Yeah. So um, uh, this does win, but Superman's helmet gets cracked while he's fighting yeah. him, uh, and then eventually there's this like, it's like a bunch of seatbelt dispensers that all yeah. kind of fly towards the chain and wrap mm. him up like a mummy, and that sort yeah. of contains him. Uh, but the big ending of the issue is that Clark, with the suit now off is covered in kryptonite and looks a little bit worse for the wear i think it's safe yeah to say. he's he's had better days yeah uh, for, for sure so he's getting some armor next issue apparently to make up for his weakness so we'll we'll see yeah. how that goes uh yeah i mean I, I guess the critique you could maybe have is that so much of this issue once again is fighting that there's not mm-hmm. actually that much stuff to talk about as far as like characters yeah. go but um it's entertaining I mean, enough the layouts are good although it is worth mentioning there's multiple artists on this book, so the yeah. art does shift around a little bit. Yeah, uh, almost, to, to a detriment for sure, because it, yeah. it's kind of distracting when it shifts from Melnikoff to Campbell, because there's, like, I love both of those artists, but their their styles are not compatible uh, to me at all. Yeah, so. and there's a third artist who I, yeah. I, I think stuck out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I'm just, I'm even just, yeah, Campbell's pages, like, does he have any before the last two? I don't. I don't know. That's the only but ones the, I'm. That, I'm. I'm going through it quickly just now, and the only two mm-hmm. pages I recognize it as Campbell is the last two. Gotcha. Because yeah, I just remember turning the page, and it was stark, you know, to those. Yeah. So. And the flashbacks, one artist, and then I think it's uh, Melnikov doing the bolt. Yeah. And then okay. Campbell does a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, I I will say too with with Graft and Farm, uh, them talking about how Lex Luthor. You know, it kind of sounds like he pulled one over on them, and I don't think that it's what we think it is. I think that goes more to the Lex's false memories, you know, storyline, that I feel like he set them up to take the fall. Like, I almost feel like he was trying to make himself look like a hero to get in there, if this is what we're going, you know, young young superhero Lex. Um, But just a lot of their dialogue when they're explaining to to the Chained, about what Lex did and what he did to them and how they're motivated by revenge. You know, it, it definitely doesn't add up. Like, him just simply thwarting them doesn't seem to to justify all of their actions. And um, Also, is it them that are talking about the different experiments? Like, on, on they're talking about Marilyn Moonlight 
and yeah, because they're talking about farm and and graft and their experiments on Marilyn Moonlight, who's the the cowgirl. Yeah, they mentioned uh, Marilyn Moonlight. Uh, yeah, which I did not think. You well, know. Yeah, it's they don't we don't hear them say it in that scene. It's later on when right. he's fighting Superman, where uh, mm-hmm. Chained brings it up. He, That's right. He, he he mentions. Oh, he, he told. They told me all about what what they did to Metallo and Bizarro yeah. and to Marilyn Moonlight. So it yeah. gives a connection between her and Lex, which you know is new. That is a new bit yeah. of like mythology that we're we're building with her. Mm-hmm. So so curious to see where that goes. Yeah. But but yeah, how and also you're talking about all the seat belts and stuff um, uh, to get the chain. Where this was the first time, as much as I love Superboy, I never really understood the tactile telekinesis and how it was different different than you know regular comic book telekinesis and just the description that it, you know, it's, it's this aura around his body that makes the super stuff accessible to him. Right. Mm. The, the, the flight, the, the flight, the strength, everything. Um, so the fact like essentially putting this super straight jacket on the chain is one of the things that can cordon him. Uh, so all of these straps coming around like a straight jacket, I thought was a pretty good solution. Uh, based off of the information we were given. Yeah, because, well, they mentioned that as a kid, like, the, the chain mm-hmm. had to touch something to be able to control yeah. it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then he, like, started pushing further and could do it without yes. touching it. So, uh, which, I mean, to me, that, that explains tactile tel- telekinesis. Because I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. you, can, you can make something move around, but you still right. have to have contact with a part of it. But then, obviously, he, he moves beyond that. To, at which point, I would say it's just regular telekinesis. Right. But, <laughs> you know, who am I to... Right, but to me, he's hairs. expanding his aura, right? And that's why when, when they can strap him tight, you know, that negates him being able to expand it for whatever reason. Uh, so... But yeah, that makes uh, some sense. I mean, as much sense as this type of thing. Right, tactile telekinesis is, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, credit, credit to Williamson on that one for being able to... You know, just just tell a tell a story here without too many. You know, we've had issues in the past with him doing like too much, too fast. And uh-huh. so here, like you brought up, like it's very, it's taking its time, and you know, yeah, we're being I able mean, to focus on the chain and whatnot. I think this is an enjoyable enough issue as the ongoing arc. I, I think mm-hmm. the art does jump around a bit too much, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes some of the like the chain's face, especially sometimes, looks a mm-hmm. little but. You know, I don't want to mean to be too harsh here, but it's veering on a little Ramita Jinger at times. Uh, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> when you went that way, I was wondering where you were going. Yeah, and... just a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I think that does drag it in a little bit. It is a lot of fighting, but there's some interesting tidbits, mm-hmm. and I do appreciate that they're building up the chain as this big thing. And in turn, like, we don't know what Lex did to graft and farm yet, right. but it, given what he did to the chain, which was, you know, give this kid superpowers and then lock him up because he was too yeah. dangerous after he killed his dad, it does feel like whatever is to be revealed about farming graft, it feels like, yeah, Lex probably did do something really heinous. If that's mm-hmm. the if that's the, the, the level we're working on here. Uh, so, all right, what are you giving Superman issue eight? I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll give it a seven. Uh, I think the the art probably does drop at half a point to a point mm-hmm. uh, down yep. to that, but yeah, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. All right, Wonder Woman issue three, Legacy eight oh three. This is Tom mm-hmm. King and Daniel Sampier on the art. Uh, obviously, this has been a standout book the last couple issues, and I can't. 
I don't think we'll be saying anything different about this one. <laughs> no, I've been King getting his artists to do nine panel grids and then just absolutely killing it. I'm, I'm getting real tired of seeing that because now he's just flexing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, to be fair, though, like some of those prestige books that he's done have been yeah. almost entirely nine panel grids, which is yeah. the odd exception. This isn't like that. This this does have no. more varied layouts. So there's just some nine panel grids sort of in there. But it works. The the one in particular that we'll get to. That's kind of the climax of the the issue, um, where two stories are going on at once. Uh, I was just I was looking at Sam Peter's art, and there's not a lot of dialogue going on, right? A lot of the art's doing the storytelling, and I was just like, man, King just lets these guys cook. Um, yeah, I think this is a great example, and I know if Connor tried this book, he'd probably be whining about how how it has too much words. But yeah. I think this is a great example of wordy narration being mm-hmm. so well done and making it feel very dense. And it is a yeah. it is a dense book. It took me twice as yeah. long to read this than any other mm-hmm. book this week, despite the fact that it's the same size. Well, maybe not cutting the back up, but you know, right as far as the main twenty page story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all the issues so far have been really good in how they've focused on like one scene with Wonder Woman. You know, mm-hmm. like the last issue, it was all just set around the fight where the army was coming to get her. This mm-hmm. issue, it's all about her going to this building, which it says it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a cover building, but it's yeah. actually the the base for where Steel works and where his office is. Uh, yeah. Axe. Yeah, Sergeant Steel. That is not. Yes, because well, when you said Steel works, I got very confused for a second. Uh, oh yeah, and then I was like, it's weird. two words. It's, it's where Sergeant Steel works. works. Right? <laughs> yes, just just to be clear on that, not uh, nothing to do with John Henry Irons. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it does this thing where it's done a really good job, and we're seeing more of her now that we're in issue three. But it still does that trick of the first few pages have been like, no, no, we're just going to tease a foot. We're just going to have her walk in. And the guy at the desk isn't paying attention to her, and we just hear her ask the question, could you direct me to where Sergeant Steele's office is? And he's like, lady, you're misunderstood. And he's just doing his crossword, which, by the way, they've, they've got a bunch of uh, creators uh, referenced in this Wait. crossword. We got uh, Perez, we got Jimenez. Jimenez. Yeah. So... um. But then he looks up and he sees Wonder Woman and he caves immediately and just drops the cover and says, uh, that's 32A, miss. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, thank you. Uh, so it's all set around her going up to this office to speak to Sergeant Steele because she's heard that he's had a breakthrough in the Emily case and the murder of yeah. the pool hall. So she's going up to speak to him about that. Meanwhile, um, what are we calling this bad guy again? I, I forgot his he's name. He's the Sovereign. Sovereign, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we see him in present day. Which mm-hmm. I think it's the first time we've seen him in present day because I mean they hinted at him and we saw him on the throne, right? But we didn't see him at all in the last issue. It was all just narration. Yeah. Was that throne so, in present day? Maybe it was. But his narration, which I, yes. it seems to be him, is definitely in the future because he's talking yep. to Trinity. Yep. So yeah. So we so we have two ongoing scenes in this issue. It's Wonder Woman going up to Sergeant Steele's office and talking to him, and it's the Sovereign at his mansion mm-hmm. uh, getting a visit from a guest that he's requested which is this young soldier who was in the army that, that yeah. tried to fight Wonder Woman and obviously failed mm-hmm. so this stuff like it starts off like immediately I was getting this vibe that the Sovereign's about to use this young guy in a way that's just going to dispose of him I mean obviously at this point I wasn't thinking straight up this will lead to his death but I definitely yep. got the vibe that he was going to just use and disregard him. Um, yep. 
it's all you know and he's got like the the gun that shot uh lincoln and his collection mm-hmm. and the soldiers kind of admiring all these heirlooms that he's got he's like yeah i'm interested in american history and and whatnot uh wonder woman meanwhile beats up a guy in an elevator <laughs> as the elevator yeah. music's playing I, I love that scene it's, it's pretty funny it's just just the way there's that one and then when she gets off the elevator and we're not seeing any of the violence we're just getting like the the essence of it as the tiara is bouncing well, off of them. yeah there's a page just set up where you see the swat team on the other side of the yep. elevator and they're like okay prepare for this blah blah and she just throws the tiara out as soon as the elevator opens yep. and then the next page is just four panels of her standing there she mm-hmm. yawns she sort of casually dodges a bullet or reflects mm-hmm. a bullet with her Bracelet. bracelet as she's like like getting her eye she's got her finger in her yeah. eye clearing out some sleep i just i love the way she is just so nonchalantly, nonchalantly. just mm-hmm. waiting for her tiara to do all the all the work mm-hmm. and then she eventually steps out and we get her walking past all the unconscious bodies <laughs> it's so good it's really and it's, that's again that's simp here cooking here right because oh, yeah. like i don't know what was in that script right but you know Sam Pierre just wiping the sleep from her eye, the yawn, the the casual bringing up her hand to deflect the bullet. Like this is this is nothing. To, to I like to it. think Tom King sends a fully drawn comic by Tom King with all the text, all the dialogue, and Sam Pierre has to look at it and be like, okay, let's see if I can turn this into so like, can i decipher what these stick figures are supposed to be doing and yeah, turn it into real comic book art they're king storyboards are what they are <laughs> yeah, right tom uh, king's on the phone like don't worry dan i'm just gonna i'll draw uh, you the page so you, you've got a rough idea what i want he's like tom it's not helping it's not helping tom I, you're just making me confused I do, I do like to think that he's in contact that sam peter's in contact with garrett's and I was like, hey, can you help me decipher this? He's like, I got you. I speak fluently. Hey, yeah. Mitch, you, you got that Tom yeah. King Rosetta Stone handy <laughs> yeah. so I can translate all this? Oh, my God. And that's what I love. Like, as I was sorting through my comics yesterday, I, I got all of my, you know, Tom King prestige. And I just look at those. I'm like, the, even just in singles, they're so good. Like, I was looking at the human target stuff. and Oh, yeah. You know, there's a, there is a, there's a, almost an aura to these, you know, type of, and I'm, I'm glad he's bringing that to a monthly book for the first time in a while. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I was just thinking about his prestige books the other day and how Danger Street's really great and I've been loving it mm-hmm. and it's got some fantastic issues, mm-hmm. but it might be like fourth or fifth if I was mm-hmm. to rank them. And that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how good, like, those prestige books are. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, I'd have to um, really think about what the order at the top is, but I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I think I definitely like Strange Adventures, Mr. Miracle, and Human Target, and probably yeah. even Rorschach more than Danger Street. And I love Danger Street. Yeah. I mean, uh, up until Human Target, it was Rorschach. So, like, Human Target and Rorschach are, are up there. And then it's kind of, but, but even then, even Danger Street, as much as I love it, and, uh, you know, putting it at five seems like a, seems like I don't like it, but yeah, it's, it's just like everything above it. Yeah. yeah, I think after so. that, there's a bit of a gap, and then you got Killing Time, and then there's a big gap after oh. that for Batman Catwoman. That's right at the bottom. <laughs> don't don't forget Woman of Tomorrow. Oh, of course, yeah. It, uh, yeah there's no, Woman to, of Tomorrow in there somewhere. To be fair, I do think I'd put that below Danger Street if I was to compare them. Okay. Now that we're 11 issues in, I feel confident yeah. in saying that. I, I, I love okay. Woman of Tomorrow. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's Well, that's sex. what I'm talking about. So yeah. as I'm looking, because when, when I get my boxes, those are all going into one box, just so I have my tom king stuff and and i'm gonna be throwing wonder woman in there on top of it so 
Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but so but anyway. back to the issue. Yeah, because yeah. I want to talk about the sovereign stuff. Yeah, the sovereign stuff super interesting. Obviously, this I we've, we've had characters like this in Wonder Woman before mm-hmm. who, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at uh, toxic masculinity. We're looking at misogyny. Mm-hmm. We're looking at characters who see Wonder Woman's existence as a threat to mm-hmm. the the patriarchy, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. And that's very much what the Sovereign is kind of getting at in this, but mostly in his narration, but even at the little hints that he's doing when he's talking mm-hmm. to the soldier. The big thing is, is that when he starts talking to him, and again, he's talking about this baton that was used in police riots and how his father or grandfather would use it to beat up, like, the peasants or something. <laughs> like well, some... no, you, to beat him when he got out of line. Oh, him? Is it him? Okay, and I must remember that. it was that. an honor because of what this was used for, right? And yeah. You're looking at all of these artifacts, and they're all on the wrong side of history as, as you know, as it came out, right? These... In fact, isn't there even a hint that someone from his family gifted Booth the gun that the killed gun. Lincoln? Yeah. Yes. Which, again, once you start getting into because I could talk about this all day, right, about American history and mm. and how people pervert it and twist it to their own means, right? Like, there's a group of people that believe that the Confederate States of America are the true United States of America. That is what the country set out to be, right? And you can give them all the information you want, and it's not going to change it. So the idea that King's playing with that is he has – it's not like it's this thing it was – that was the culmination of one of the darkest chapters of American history, right? And it killed the president that, and all us, you know, helped end slavery, helped unite the country. That's the stories, right? That's the the history that is out there. This is coming from the alternate perspective, like, well, no, this is the gun that did him in, and that's why it's an artifact, right? It it did our cause, and the same with the, you know, this police baton that it's it's hinted at that it was used in the civil rights riots, yeah. right, to beat back the people that were wanting equal rights. Um, and so the sovereign is using this and explaining how they, and he keeps saying we, like when he refers to himself, yeah, he's referring to we. Uh, it's not singular, which I find interesting. Um, but also, it also and, ties into this idea that, like, he says that they're just heading this the sovereign that's passed this the title yeah. that's passed down. Yeah. Uh, they have been manipulating things to keep the, the yeah. status quo that they want. So the idea that they did hand the gun to the gunman yeah. who took out Lincoln is like this idea that for centuries they've been manipulating yeah. the course of events through. I mean, from when when they got into it in the last issue, it was you know from the time the country was settled, they were. Yeah running their own thing, right? So this just reiterates that. And uh, the guy that he's talking to, too, is this this soldier that grew up in Smallville. He's kind of a rube. Like, he asks him at, at a certain point, he goes, weren't you, like, embarrassed that Wonder Woman was the one that beat you guys because she's just a woman? And he goes, no, she's not. That's Wonder Woman. She's a superhero. Like, yeah, the guy gives, supposed to compete? Yeah, the guy gives such a healthy response. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like, I won't lose sleep over. It's not a big deal. She's Wonder Woman. She's a goddamn superhero. Like, mm-hmm. I ain't gonna cry. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm in the military. Like, I'll go back to base. Yeah. I'll get paid for another day's work, and I won't lose sleep mm-hmm. over it. Like, he has such a healthy attitude towards it. Yeah. And it's, like, clear where this sort of conversation is kind of going, but this is where he pulls out the, the lasso of... Uh, of lies. Of lies. And uh-huh. says, hey, this is another artifact you like to see. And he has him hold it. And then, I'm skipping, I'll skip over the Wonder Woman scene here. We'll go back yeah. to that. Uh, he has mm-hmm. him hold it. And we see how it works. Now, we could have probably predicted this is how it works. Because it, it's just mm-hmm. kind of self-explanatory. But instead of obviously it making him tell the truth when you hold it. 
if whoever else is holding the lasso of lies, you can then tell a lie to, and they will believe it. Like, you will yeah, change their perception on something. And right. what he does here is he says, you are embarrassed by Wonder Woman emasculating you, by mm-hmm. you're so distraught about it that mm-hmm. you're going to tell everyone you can that this is this has made you feel less of a man and then you're going to have to end your life because you can't live mm-hmm. with this and clearly like i would assume the intent here is to build, start to build like a smear campaign against one yep. look, look she made this good young man like commit suicide kind of thing mm-hmm. but obviously this is super dark this is super but, but this idea that this young soldier is a pawn in like a politician's like mm-hmm. game for power to maintain what he sees as the natural order of power is such a like well, a, sadly a relatable thing to the real world mm-hmm. of like he's just being used as a tool here to to for public perception that's all this right. is right and and that's you know looking at tom king and you know he lives in dc he sees this stuff like you know he's tuned into the news and whatever's going on in society and culture. And this is, I, I believe this is his commentary and what's going on now, right? That if you give the enough young men, enough of these lies that make themselves like you make them feel like they're not adequate enough, but then it's, it's not their fault. It's everybody else's fault. You can steer them to do what you want, you know? And that's what he's doing here is the sovereign is using this one in particular, right? Who he goes home and, uh, does does what the sovereign told him to. Yeah, he raised a suicide a note, note. Yeah, and he shoots himself. It, yeah, that it was because of Wonder Woman that you know, it, it's her fault that I feel this way. It, it, it's this, yeah, it's this thing you see where enough opinions start to shift. Where mm-hmm. hey, things are more progressive. Oh, thank like mm-hmm. people like this guy whose response is like, I'm not embarrassed. It was a woman. Yeah. It was Wonder Woman. Like like she, she's she's a tough badass. Like I'm not gonna the, care about yeah, this. Yeah, the way that he says it is. She's a superhero. Like, what did... It was almost like, what did you expect? You know, like... So, now uh, the Sovereign has to create the the narrative. That's that's the uh-huh. phrase to use. Creating the narrative. Narrative, yeah. That this is what she is doing to men. And therefore, we have to fight back against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like... Again, I, I'm saying it's for public perception because that's the, mm-hmm. the the clear guess right now. It could be more right. than that. Maybe we'll see more direct fallout from this next issue, yeah. but... Uh, that, that, I thought this was a really intense. I, I think this book has been very good at touching on very strong real world issues from issue one mm-hmm. with the immigration stuff and the xenophobia yep. and the, the particularly the misogyny and the patriarchy and the reaction mm-hmm. to oh we can't have a strong woman who's making us feel like we're less right. less of that's what this guy this is what the sovereign forces upon this young man even though his attitude mm-hmm. seems to be perfectly reasonable yeah. before that point right so, and this man's a soldier he's what you would call you know like he's like a man's man right is what you would think of he's doing this this masculine job of protecting the country and yeah he's like yeah no it's not a problem to me like yeah it's just another part of the job and right? I, I think obviously this is also maybe critical of the of the idea of like you know convincing people to sign up to mm-hmm. the military but then they're just yeah. used as fodder kind of thing like yeah. i think there's an element of that in there well, yeah, definitely, because the fact that he's from Smallville, from this little town, that he's like, mm. you probably have never heard of it. It's in nowhere, Kansas, right? You know, just this guy that's, 
he's he's expendable and, right i think i like the irony of that is that these characters yeah. don't know this but that town is so important because it produced superman it, yeah <laughs> but they don't well, know yeah, that and, because no one no. knows superman's from smallville and that's that's the layers that king is is using to of this on and and just the idea too that when you get to that page if when you're following the nine panel grid all of this story they're done in like heavy blues and and like dark and shadow compared to the wonder woman on the uh, you know the the following panels it's all bright it's all colors bright yeah. and bright color and it just it really just adds to the mood of you know almost like if you're watching a movie the cross cutting it's almost like you're watching two different movies um and it's just that whole sequence i was just like it made me super sad right because this guy that seeing what the sovereign's able to do with these lies how he's able to completely change his life um just to be a, a cog in the wheel i, I think uh, it's so good because it, it, it's it's a mixture of obviously establishing all the mythology of what the lasso lies is but mm -hmm. all of it has real meaning like it's all representing it's all a, a, an analogy for the real world mm -hmm. you can see the themes that it's playing with and just the the way it sets up this villain but it's like a really very real existential threat and it also is great because it is the opposite of wonder woman who's all about truth mm -hmm. it's all you know she's all about that right the idea of misconception and and try to build a narrative that goes against the truth and that being like the natural enemy for wonder woman is so perfect that uh and i, I love that it does have something to say i love that the book is doing kind of darker riskier things where it's it's mm -hmm. not pulling punches with its commentary and that to me yeah. is what this was so um yeah very good stuff uh wonder woman we get this great page where it starts off on the it's like the just the the doors like mm -hmm. uh label you know the yep the name like plate. the sign yeah yeah uh, and then but it's like the camera's pulling back with each panel and you see that it's actually broken and on the floor <laughs> because wonder yep. woman smashed through it she, she kicked the door down yeah it's really good stuff yep. uh but sergeant steel's pointing a gun directly at wonder mm -hmm. woman uh, and there's a whole bunch of narration and you know we should really mention here the narration from the sovereign is, is very much pushing these narratives of what wonder mm -hmm. woman's doing to the man uh right. and and things like that you know about yeah. how they well, feel and like they're and a failure it, and all that yes it makes it seems like like they have no choice in this like they don't have to fight her right like sure they're doing their job but they're they're taking the sovereign's taking all of their agency away uh, in, in the narrative that he's saying, you know, uh, by by an effort, he's the one that's actually emasculating them. Oh, for sure, uh, yeah, like, absolutely. Which I think is a which I think is a nice little twist in the story because as we see, like she's just going through them like it's nothing, you know. Uh, so it, it adds uh, again another little twist. Uh, just to back in the xenophobia, part of what he mm -hmm. says here is that these Amazons, like they they make everyone feel lesser because they're not gods mm -hmm. like them. But they're not actually propagating that. You're you're no. reading it that way. You're you're saying yep. they make you feel like lesser, and you're trying mm -hmm. to convince everyone else that hey, they're making you feel like you're a lesser being, so we should get rid yeah. of them, right? It's that mm -hmm. again. It's, it's going back to that fear of the other, that fear of the yeah. outsider. And if this outsider happens to be better than us, even though they're mm -hmm. not actually better, but you believe they could be, right. you have to the villainize them to make yourself feel better that you're right. the better one. You know, it's all comes back to all this stuff. Perception is reality, right? Yeah. And that's that's that. But and onto that too is that he talks about early on in the book of when she came here, right? Like she fell in love with a with a pilot and came here and dressed in all of our colors, and she, you know, did did her best to assimilate, but no matter what, she could never be one of us. And I think that also goes into that whole xenophobia thing, right? Is that they're pretending to be one of us, even though they'll never be one of us. 
Uh, and yeah, it's just it's disgusting when you think about it. Oh yeah, uh, and it fits fits perfect for a villain. So yeah, obviously Steel's got a bunch of reinforcements coming. Wonder Woman's like, just tell me what you've got on the case. Like mm-hmm. all this fighting me is very adorable and all that, uh, mm-hmm. but. He's, he's like, I've got an army. And she's at the window at this point, and she turns around, look, 17 men are dead, right? My sister is missing, uh, meaning the Amazon, not a literal right, sister. Emily. Just, just, just yeah. to be clear. Uh, and it's caused all this sickness, and I want to, to fix it. And he just keeps yelling, I've got an army. And then she says, I've got an invisible jet. And that's this, it's, you turn the page, and it's this two-page spread where the jet's Double. sitting outside the window beautiful absolutely yeah it's, it's, it's one of, it's like, I, all, all of these issues have had at least one big two-page spread moment yep. like this where it just it pulls a little reveal where you feel like it's just oh it's it's, oh, it's phenomenal it, it makes one one feel larger than life it really does uh, absolutely uh, yeah but like that, this is here... for, for as much as the villain in this is trying to make wonder woman look smaller and make uh-huh. her look weak in a threat this book is doing such a good job of making her look like the biggest deal possible like she is yeah. important she is like the big the big threat for, kind of thing for sure i also want to say I've, I've always i've always thought the invisible jet was like this goofy idea like i just i don't understand why it was ever there in in the thing when she can fly and i know back early days she couldn't fly um but just the whole idea i don't know maybe it was saving pencils right of, of not <laughs> the jet, right and then when you look at super at, at wonder woman 84 just the the way that they introduced the invisible jet super hokey and silly um but here when when it turns and she goes, I have an invisible jet, and it's just peering at him. It it's I'm like, oh, maybe the invisible jet is cool, right? And that's that's the beauty of of storytelling, right? Is they can take this concept that's, you know, I I don't particularly care for, but in this one moment, I have even I have to admit, like, wow, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Steel whips out a file on the evidence they've got from the mm-hmm. the, the crime scene. Uh, they found some blood from the Amazon. She must have got scratched by a pill cure or something. Mm-hmm. And the big reveal at the end here is that she's pregnant. And so, first of all, it makes me go, wait, we all, when they announced Trinity was Wonder Woman's daughter, yep. we all assumed by blood. And this immediately makes me go, uh, is she more adopted because the real mother ends up dead or whatever? Something. The, yeah, it might go. I think, yep. so this is obviously a fascinating cliffhanger that maybe tells us the start of trinity and the mm-hmm. fact that the last panel is trinity being told this story seemingly by the right. sovereign uh behind bars and her reaction looks like she's mm-hmm. learning who her real mother is here and maybe she thought mm-hmm. it was wonder woman all these years i don't know i'm just i'm basing right. that on the art of this one panel and her reaction right. well and then see i think there's so many different pathways for wonder woman to have a daughter her being the daughter of the Amazon that started all this wasn't on my, wasn't on my list of things. No. So that's the, again, a nice little wrinkle. It's not like Apollo like gave birth to Diana in a traditional no. sense either. So it's not even that and weird. No. Cause, cause yeah. Cause like, I, I just thinking about this too, is I, I had assumed like, she's like, I'm ready for motherhood after this adventure. Right. Yeah. Come she... Steve, give me some semen. <laughs> well, I was like going to say not even Steve, but just the clay, right. She's going to oh, do the clay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to, she's going to do for a new life. What Hippolyta did for her. Right. Cause you know, at the end of this, she sees, you know, like, yeah, it would be bad to introduce a kid into this world, but we need more hope. Right. And so that's a very wonder woman 
thing. So I could see at the end of this, like we need to make a better world for our future. And that's what leads to Trinity, you know, uh, but here, this this wrinkle, it definitely fits in with Wonder Woman and the idea of the Amazonians being this village that raises a child. Right? Yeah. And so it's uh, almost like she's all of the Amazon's child. Yeah, it is interesting as well that uh, just an Amazon being pregnant. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think I've read a story where an Amazon is pregnant uh, in present day. <laughs> yeah, not in present day. Definitely the Azarello definitely got up to that. Oh, sure, yeah. You, you know, but... Uh, unless we talk about that one, you know, the further we get away from that, the more it's kind of, I, I yeah. don't enjoy that. I, I tried reading, reading that run twice and I, 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 yeah. I gave up both times. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I like the run for the most part, just that sequence of the Amazonians and how they procreate. Not, not a fan. Mm. Uh, there, there's magic in this world as we could, we can do that. Um, but yeah, so just the idea, maybe that's, maybe that's why, she reacted the way she did because now she's, you know, trying to protect two lives, right? Mm. From from these men, you know? Uh, I mean, she doesn't have to be as murderous, so I think there's still more to it, perhaps, than that. Although, maybe maybe we'll get to the point where her, her Amazon, like, hormones mm-hmm. are just so, like, yeah. on, on the fritz because of the pregnancy. Uh, yeah. It begs the question, though, does she know she's pregnant? That, yeah, that's, that also adds to the question, you know? Um but yeah, it was, but also, and this is what King's done so well on this is how do we know what the sovereign's saying is the truth, right? He kind of is the king of lies. Oh, for sure. But so he's not the one that yeah. says this though. No, no, no. But I'm just saying like with, with Trinity, right? He's, he's saying the story back, you know what oh, I mean? So, I'm just saying. Wait, you, so you're telling me we can't trust anything we're seeing. I feel right. like that's maybe a little... I think the are I think anything that's not the narration, I'm taking yeah. at face value because I feel like mm-hmm. it gets really weird and complex if you all, no, that, all of a sudden say every single thing we're seeing in this entire story is from his lies, so we can't trust any no, of that's, it. No, that's true. My my main point is when it comes to this like big reveal like this, like is is he telling her this to break her down, right? About Diana, about the Amazons. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm sure, yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Like this, there's there's an ulterior motive to to the sovereign, and I feel like that's where the three D you know, style storytelling comes in. But I think everything that we're seeing with Diana is true. I do think Emily is pregnant, but is is Trinity her daughter? I, I, I think especially because um, there's contrast between his narration and what we're seeing. I think yeah. that confirms that what we're seeing is real because we're seeing his manipulated right. take on it in the narration, but we're right. seeing the unfiltered version and the the actual panels right that makes sense uh it is interesting though that trinity's been held captive it's interesting that like you know what is the end game here other than to just turn her against her mother perhaps right i don't know but we see how heinous he is in present day so it can't be anything good yep definitely especially especially if he's in a place in the future where the future he wanted didn't happen, so he, maybe he's more desperate. Maybe because yeah. he even references in this that oh we're we're in this shitty prison and we have like you know crap food. We have to beg mm-hmm. for more. He talks about the glory days of having a palace of having servants. Right. So he's seemingly right. lost all that in the future. Yeah. So he he's probably got a bit of a vendetta to to grind for sure. The other thing that I wanted to bring up too was in his narration where he talks about the real trick of this is to you know. He, he compares it to, like, it's snowing outside and people knocking at your door to beg. 
and then you convince them that oh, you know, yeah, you're, that's, that's you're worse off, right? That you're worse off, you know, in there because it's too hot. Yeah, and then convince them outside that you're in here burning because it's too hot. Yeah, that was the line. That, that, that yeah, that you're burning because it's too hot, and then point and laugh at them looking at you through the windows. And I was just like, oh my god, King, you were you were doing the the issues that I have in the real world. You were doing a very good job at conveying. Oh yeah, you know? this guy is the he's the he's a total one percent. He's the one percent of the one percent mm-hmm. style. Yeah, he's like laughing through the windows at their frosted faces. Yes. And it was the it was the line. Yeah, and it's you know basically convince you that our problems are real problems and your problems aren't, and that if you want us to solve your problems, you gotta you know just do what we say, you know, to help us out. And it was just like, oof, this dude is evil. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying this book, like King. King on a on a monthly you know in continuity series uh, is just hitting uh, through these first three. Yeah, wonderful stuff. All right, uh, I mean we've mentioned Sempier's art a little bit. I'll just you mm-hmm. know, reiterate it looks fantastic. Uh, the big moments are, are great. Uh, I appreciate the the lighting, the coloring on that last panel mm-hmm. on Trinity because it's very mm-hmm. much like Dawn's coming through the window or Dusk's coming through the window behind her. It's got that glow to it. Looks very different. Um, yeah, uh, two-page spreads, gorgeous. I love how angry Sergeant Steele's getting. Again, he's very mm-hmm. much the angry man who hates being challenged by the woman. Uh, yep. Whilst Wonder Woman is completely calm the entire mm-hmm. time, uh, as she is. So, all very good. So, uh, yeah, it's wonderful stuff. Matt, what are you giving Wonder Woman issue three? Oh, we're not going to talk about the backup? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, hold on. I forgot about the backup, hold on. Yeah, read that with the backup. Yeah. yeah we already talked yeah. so much about the... <laughs> I forgot there was a backup. Yeah, no, it's fine. I just... Okay. This was one that... I, I just need to talk about Wonder Robin. That's the main well, part. Well, no, we can talk about the backup. I, yeah. I just... um, Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about it. Okay, my yeah. my first... I've got a critique here before we talk mm-hmm. about anything else. Mm-hmm. This says a few years from now, right at the top, and then... But there's a yep. reference here later on that it's actually five years in the future. Yep. Right? Uh, because little Trinity is mm-hmm. is five, and John mentions that he's been Superman for about five years. So, yep. fair enough. I'll I'll read that as five years in the future. Why is Damien still a teenager? Da- Damien <laughs> is still thirteen years old. Yeah, it's weird. I was like, yeah. he should be eighteen, right? He he should he have should, been aged up for these this, he this story. He should look more comparable to John than he ever has. Yeah, in this. he absolutely yeah. should. This was so weird. Like, why is yep. why is he? It feels like he's gotten younger, not older. <laughs> yeah, it is that Al Gold blood. You know, maybe he ages in reverse, like oh, Benjamin Button. So weird. Oh, don't remind me of that <laughs> stupid movie. I don't know why I think about it. Um, so yeah, uh, but that aside, that that one yes. big glaring complaint aside. Uh, this is a story where John has to speed off and do Superman stuff, so Damien yep. stuck babysitting Trinity. And, and they were both supposed to. Right? Yeah. This is a, a double job for the for the Super Sons. Yeah, and she throws some food at Damien, and then he says a swear word, which obviously mm-hmm. censored, but then she Wait. repeats it. She puts her hand up and says shit. Uh-huh. Uh, and like John starts saying, oh, you're in trouble. You taught uh-huh. Wonder Woman's daughter a swear word. And he yep. tries to like tell her not to say it. And this is a great running gag that comes back to play at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we get this scene where Damien's like, screw this, I'm going to go be Robin. Uh, yep. Come on, Wonder Robin, we're going out. So we get this cute, you know, five-year-old girl in like a Robin outfit with a skirt and like uh-huh. knee pads and elbow pads. It's pretty adorable, I have to yep. say. 
and uh, you know she's she wants to only be called Wonder Robin. Like don't yep. you know don't call her. Which we find also that her name's Lizzie, right? Yeah, I think that's new. Uh, that's that's new information, yeah. I think. So uh, right, we find out. Uh, so Damien uh, has to t- tie her shoes because she doesn't know how. Oh my god! And him saying that he learned that from his grandpa or from mom and grandpa, and then when he messed it up, grandpa locked him in a box in the desert. Um, and Lizzie's <laughs> like, "Well." Why was it that bad? And just Damien kind of laughing it off, just to show how dysfunctional of a childhood he had. <laughs> I thought it was really good timing. You're like, not going to put was... me in a box in the desert yeah. if I mess up, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Gosh, she's for a five year old girl. She has all the, the character. I love it. Do you know what? It's not actually laid out this way, but I almost mm-hmm. wish for the reference they they'd sequence this. You know that meme from Attack of the Clones where uh-huh. it's uh, Padme saying right? something like, yep. "You know, you you don't mean this, right?" And then uh-huh. Anakin just sort of stares at her, right? And he starts. I almost wish they'd, they'd, yeah. they'd lay, laid it out like that. Uh, that would have been pretty funny. Yeah, they didn't. But it made me think of it, though, because she says right yeah. again in a panel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Damien's fighting Killer Croc and mm-hmm. uh, Wonder Girl, or sorry, Wonder, Bo- uh, Wonder Robin. Sorry, it's, Wonder it's, Robin. it's an awkward name to remember. There's too many, it is. Too many uh, variations. But yeah. she jumps in and kicks Croc so hard that he goes like into a wall. And they have to take him to Mr. Terrific to like get patched up. Uh, and Dr. Midnight, yeah. And Doctor, oh, sorry, Dr. Midnight, that's what yeah. it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Damien's just spouting Superhero Lesson 27, Superhero yeah. Lesson 44. 23. Yeah, it's all yeah. over the place. And then when John gets back that night at the manor, uh, Damien just admits, yeah, she she kicked Killer Croc and it was a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, um, okay, uh, maybe we shouldn't tell Wonder Woman everything that happened tonight. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but that's a good idea. Uh, and yeah. then the final page is just her. She's sleeping on Damien's lap, and she just sort of says shit again in her sleep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The idea that their influence is, is just, it's, it's, it's too late. She's already been influenced by Damien and John. Yeah. Uh, so. This trio is really, i they've already won my hearts. Yeah. Uh, Damien he- being the same age as that he normally is when he should be yeah. an adult by now is is really weird but yeah other than that it's, a, it's still tom king writing it's bell and ortega mm-hmm. on the art the arts it's, it doesn't measure up to sam pure by any means but no. it's 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 good it's still good uh i think the, the big wide eyes and the big smiles really works because it's you know it's, it's a kid that we're kind of focusing yeah. on so that makes sense yeah like it was delightful. Yeah. It was a delightful little time. Yeah. It's just the one oh, weird yeah. aspect to it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I went double checked. I was like, did I read five years? Because she's five years old. So why does Damien look the same? Because John, you could just draw as older John, right? Like we're not. Gonna yeah, no. I think. mean, let's say John's eighteen right now in present day. Right. Mm-hmm. Him being twenty three isn't going to look that much different in comic book no. art. It's whatever. It's fine. Right. Uh, but yeah, Damien, like he's going through puberty. He should be, yeah. He should be transferred. He should look like Bruce now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, especially considering he has like all gold jeans too. His mom's also, you know, like I don't know. But yeah, it was just a good story. I like, I like these what, three. What? what, what? Well, I like, she's she's a healthy woman too. So I would assume he would, you know. You know, what do you mean, healthy he, woman, Matt? Say it out loud. What, what are you trying to say? I feel like so you're trying saying, to say that she's foxy milf and she's a babe, and you like Damien yeah, should be a stud so by many, now. I think that's what you're trying to so say. Many, yeah, not so many words. I'm just saying that you know, he should have hit his growth spurt by 18. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> have you seen the mummy milkers that fed him as a baby? He should be a strong, tough man by now. <laughs> I'm glad you're saying everything that I'm thinking. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Fun backup though. Fun backup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. What you uh, what you rate Wonder so, Woman? Uh, Wonder Woman number three. This is a nine. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I gotta go nine point five. I, I think mm-hmm. this is. This is shockingly good. Art's phenomenal. The storytelling is next level. It's it's making Wonder Woman feel larger than life. It's it's got themes. It's got allegories. It's got a lot of social commentary. That's all clicking together so well, and it's making me really mm-hmm. hate the villain. Uh, plus a fun backup. So nine point five. Mm-hmm. I, I really can't fall much. So cool. Nightwing one hundred eight legacy number two nine five. Tom Taylor writing with Stephen mm-hmm. Byrne. On the art, yeah. So, uh, this is the continuation of the pirate stuff that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dicks with, uh, was it B? And, B, yeah. Captain uh, Blood, for Cap- lack of a better. Captain Blood, not Blood, Blood. Oh, yeah. I say it right. Uh, so, they very quickly like, find out who the mole is on the ship because he tries to stab the captain mm-hmm. in her sleep, but she's not there. Yeah. They've set a trap. Uh, we get one of those... Uh, Obviously, it's not Redondo, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll call it a Redondo-esque page, which yeah. is the, the chase going down the page, so you see the multiple dicks and... Levels. Yep. Uh, bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple dicks. Uh, yeah. So, so... Yeah, you you follow it down. It's very, very... Burn does it. He adapts his style very well to it. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's, it's doing a good job of being Burn, but also kind of mm-hmm. adhering to the, the style that the book's had. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I think they do a thing here where they actually kind of make you endeared to her second in command, this big guy yeah. with the beard. Because uh, he's got he's got a couple little jokes here where he punches the bad guy and Dick's like, hey, yeah. no violence. And he's like, uh, my fist slipped. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it is kind of funny. And he's got a couple of other lines with Dick, which is why at the end of the issue mm-hmm. when he gets killed by the villain, it's like, you yeah. know what, Taylor, you did just enough to make me like him. That I'm a little sad he, that you get killed. He might as well have told us he was retiring at the end of this. I know because that's <laughs> he's retired. That's just what it was. Just two days till retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually, one of my favorite moments in this book is that Dick and B start fighting about uh, safety because hey, there mm-hmm. could be more moles on board. There's no nothing to say. It's just one. Yep. And she's like, "Hey, why do you care so much about me? Like you and Batgirl are all lovey dovey, and mm-hmm. you don't seem to care that much about her safety." And he's like, I am concerned, but she's a superhero. And she says, I'm a pirate queen. And Dick yells, I didn't know that. And yeah. then they just pause. And then she's like, uh, okay, yeah, it's fair point, I suppose. That's kind of fair. Yeah. <laughs> fair point. Uh, but yeah, so they go to the secret city that's in a mountain that uh, they have like anti-Atlantean tech to make sure no one comes in. And they've got like fake manta helmets and yeah. ocean master like, helmets, which just tells me that they're adding these things to divert the Atlanteans. They're like, "Oh man, they killed Black Manta. We're not going here." I thought that was a little <laughs> bit of a reach, but whatever. Yeah. Like, well, the joke I did like here is that they get to the city and it's got like I, I can't even remember what the store was, but it was like a Starbucks. Yeah. It's like a franchise yeah. restaurant. It's the it's their Starbucks in in DC. It's called Sun Dollar. Yeah, and. Yeah. They're, he's like, wait, you've got that here? Like, and he's like, what mm-hmm. were you expecting? Like a shanty town with like yeah. stalls selling spices and and like homemade booze? And he's like, yeah, kinda, but it's yeah. not. It's, a, it's an actual like functioning city. Yeah, with it's a modern metropolis hidden away, and it's just. <laughs> culture surrounding piracy yeah you know? uh there's a neat little bit here where like, there's like an assistant lady who shows up mm-hmm. uh and she bows at captain blood and, she, and blood's like what have i told you about bowing like don't do it and she's like but it's tradition 
and mm-hmm. Dick's like, yeah, but you, like, is tradition more important than the actual orders of your captain? I mean, that feels a bit uh-huh. weird. Actually, at the end, when it turns out that she's also part of the bad team, I was like, mm-hmm. that was actually a neat little seed. I, I almost, yep. I almost want to dock at a point though for Taylor pointing it out by Dick saying, yeah. "Aha, tradition before." before the captain like that was like a seed for for the end but because dick actually points it out after it happens i thought okay you're you're explaining it to me a little bit so i'll you know a little little negative point for that it was a a nice point there but i'd rather have him put it together at the end like we did yeah you know because her just saying you know tradition over orders right that would have been like a little you know a breadcrumb uh so then when it does hit it it hits harder when she turns on on b yeah. So, so uh, they're going up to her her like base or whatever, and this building. And right before Dick realizes it's a trap, but it doesn't matter. Her evil brother is behind the door mm-hmm. and shotgun blasts the uh, the henchman dude that was kind of yeah. likable, and so he dies. So there's consequences here, mm-hmm. and uh, Dick of course has to start fighting after a quick bit of uh, back and forth. It, also, the the brother basically admits, oh, I, I spread info to all these bad guys hoping yeah. that one of them would kill dad. Like, you know, that, so he's yeah. responsible for the death of the quartermaster. Right. So Yeah, because he's, he's a pirate. He wants to take over the ship himself. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he wants to know where the hold is. She won't tell him uh, yeah. and says he'll torture all of her crew until one of them fess up where they had it. Uh, so Dick is into action, has some smoke pellets, you know, starts yep. beating the crap out of some pirates. Uh, the big cliffhanger, though, is that B's brother stabs her through the stomach with a sword and mm-hmm. throws her over the edge of this uh, balcony on this building, and she goes crashing into the into the water. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the issue. A very quick read, very pleasant read. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah this, was, this is one that was just okay. Feels like a mid-chapter, right, in, in the yeah, story. I, I think, Nothing. you know, we've got one issue left in this particular mm-hmm. arc, and, you know, I've been saying that I've been enjoying it well enough. It's a very easy mm-hmm. read but it's not up to the, the same excitement that I have typically. And I think that's a mix of things. I think it's like, I'm not as into pirates for one. It's right. also dealing with this character that's more related to Rick Grayson than Dick Grayson. And inherently, mm-hmm. that's just a little less interesting to me. Yeah. But it feels like it's it's wrapping those things up. Uh, not that I'm saying I think B's definitely dead. I feel like this this is definitely praying for her surviving. So, but. Yeah, it's so, I feel like the killing so wanton is we're going to find out that you can't die on the pirate island. For whatever reason. You know what I mean? Well, that's a like, bit of a stretch. Okay, but you may be right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, just because it was so, like, the the guy that he endeared us to just goes down without a fight. B gets stabbed. You know, I'm wondering if there's going to be some piracy, you know, Pirates no, of the Caribbean. because I, I think if the mystics. henchman dude, like, survives because there's magic here that stops you from yeah. dying, that would sort of, I think that would make that death quite weak. I, I think it works because it made him, he made him like his, and then, she di- yeah. and then he dies. I think that's to sell us on the threat. And then I think the ending's ambiguous enough where no, she might survive this. You know, so yeah. it may not have. She, he may not have hit an organ. She might swim to safety next issue. Dick might jump in after her. Whatever the yeah. the next step is, but because well, they also made a big deal about Dick hesitating, right when he was supposed yes. to jump into the water. So yes, uh, I wonder which, what that's about as well. Yeah, he doesn't know what that is yet. He's still not sure, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, the backup wraps up this little three-part story we've mm-hmm. had, uh, which is this this villain that's been following Dick around, who doesn't know he's Nightwing, just sees him hanging out with uh, with Babs, who Dick's at the movies with in this issue, or with the other Batgirls, or, or whatever it's been uh, over the last two parts. Uh, but Dick 
goes out to get uh, some more drinks when he's at the movies with Babs. He ends up noticing the villain, and it turns out this is actually a very old villain because I was not expecting a, a note that said Detective Comics issue one fifty four from December nineteen forty nine. Like Holy. Jesus, you're pulling a you're pulling a, an old character here. Uh, so this Dang is Conrad. Yeah, this is Hatch Marlin. Uh, he used to do like sort of like getaway driving for other criminals, uh, but now he's doing kidnapping. Uh, and he doesn't know that Dick's Nightwing, so he keeps threatening him with this gun. And Dick's like, "You have no idea who I am. Like, the, the, like, you're not going to solve anything here. Like, you're going down." And sure enough, Dick very easily deals with him. Uh, it's not even an issue. It leaves him tied up for the police. Uh, it's not a big deal. Um, I will say, like, the art here is like all right, but there is definitely some anime influence in some. Like, mm-hmm. Dick looks overly angry in some of the panels when it feels like he should be just kind of regular. Yeah, just regular Dick. To be honest, I don't see why he'd be so angry at this guy. Uh, but the employee at the movie theater won't let him back inside because the movie started. He even offers to buy a new ticket, but she still won't let him in. So he has to message Babs and says, "I'm outside. They won't let me in." So she comes out. And it's like, okay, the movie was going to suck anyway. That's just going to hang out with people. And the final page is just Dick and Babs snuggling on the couch and Cass and Steph are, you know, eating popcorn and stuff. Jason's standing off at the side like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's it. It's basically, it's basically just, uh, yeah, this is this is why we're superheroes, to have these quiet moments like this. This is what we're fighting for. This was a fun backup series. Like, the middle chapter with Jason was a, was a bit weaker, but I think both this one... And the first one where he's hanging out with the other Batgirls uh, were really enjoyable uh, for what they were. Uh, certainly not, like, you know, I think if you put all three of them together and sold it as an issue, it would pr- probably be a fine little one-shot. As it yeah. is, it was a nice little charming backup. Uh, but not, nothing special either. But, you know, I, I had decent enough time. It was yeah. good. Did you read the backup, no? Oh, no, I haven't been reading these ones. Ah, fair enough. So, yeah. All right, well, there you go. Uh, what are you written, Nightwing? Uh, I'm going to give this 7.5. I'll give it a 7. I think it still does some smart things with the way it sets up a couple of the villains mm-hmm. and uh, makes us care about the character who's going to die. But yeah, mm-hmm. still, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a, you know, a, a rank down as far as the arcs go compared to the other mm-hmm. stuff that Taylor's done in the book. So, Green Lantern War Journal, issue 3, Philip Keddy Johnson writing with Montos on the art. So, uh, last issue, we had John be confronted on the train mm-hmm. by that lantern who's now been t- taken over by the Revenant Dead. Right. And, uh, you know, he's not doing too great. In fact, apparently using his powers makes him more susceptible to being infected by the Radiant Dead. It's kind of the right. the, the way it I, works. I love that Philip Kennedy Johnson set the rules really quick and concise for this here. Yeah, because up to this point we didn't really know what the radiant dead were, and now it seems like there's zombie-like constructs. Yeah, it never occurred to me that all the people who had been infected before were all lanterns of some kind. Yeah, I thought that was just happenstance, but it seems to be Mm -hmm. now that oh no, um, like they they seem yeah they seem to be zombie constructs. I guess was the way to put it. So John's not doing too well, but luckily all these like constructs of birds come in, and it's the uh, it's the lantern from the other universe yeah. that's here to find John to help him. Uh, and when he gets infected on the arm, John goes into like a sort of 
inside his mind and he's seeing like a, a mm-hmm. war zone and there's all these like zombie constructs like coming down onto this battlefield and uh-huh. you know it's basically all of his inner fears coming and he wakes up and he's at steelworks uh with like medical equipment attached to him and whatnot and he goes up to the roof and he talks to this lantern uh who explains uh-huh. he's from another world that he knows a different john stewart and this mm-hmm. other lantern's like you know i heard you were you'd quit the corpse or quit the core i should say is that yeah. true and he's like surprised. He's like, my, my John Stewart would never quit the Green Lantern Corps. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, he's he's instantly sort of disappointed and kind of speaks to John yeah. like he's like he's well, a lesser version of John Stewart. It's that moment of like you you can't be the chosen one, you know. It's, yeah. it's along those lines. So this really sets us up, but it also sets up John's determination of like, look, if this thing's serious and it's going to like kill everyone, if it's going to come mm-hmm. after my mother. Like, I have to do something about it. Yeah. And he... This lantern takes him into sort of the, 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 the space in between time or whatever he does with his ring. <laughs> and the voice that's coming from his ring, John thinks sounds familiar. And it mm-hmm. is familiar because inside this like this space, the voice can materialize into a, a construct, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's this other university's version of Kyle Rayner who mm-hmm. is wearing a blindfold instead of his crab mask, which I uh, I think yep. is a bold he also, choice, but okay. I mean, I think it makes that look look better in my, in my the book. The crab mask is better than a blindfold. Come on, don't, don't nah. be a tit. Um, so I was getting, he kind of had like this hood vibe to him too. So he's giving me Spectre vibes. Oh yeah, I love uh, that Spectre. I can see it. that, yeah. You know, it's a definitely cool look. I would not guess this was Kyle unless they had told us. So I, I guess that's good because uh, it keeps that suspense going. Um, but yeah, the the fact that he tells him, you know, kind of the, we need you to do this. You know, there's a reason that Lantern Shepherd was sent here. You know, uh, you can't succumb to this or else bad things will happen. And, you know, it says, you know, John worries about his mom. He's like, yeah, but if there's no world for your mom, then there's kind of no point to all this yeah, all. Yeah, and the lantern's like, this world's already doomed because he's already yeah. infected, so there's no point in even bothering to try to save this one. Yeah. So a big mm-hmm. part of this, obviously, is John going to be like pushing through and convincing him, no, we have to do this. We have yeah. to save everyone. So John goes and sits by his mum's bedside because she's, she's unconscious. She's been mm-hmm. injured in the whole she's... train thing. Yeah. yeah. And basically apologizes that he's leaving, and he's you know, so it's a very sad. It's very well drawn. It's very well paced. Him walking up and sitting by her bedside, and the beeps from the the heart rate monitor kind of sprinkled in uh, mm-hmm. throughout. Uh, it's all very good. I especially at the moment where he says, "Not only will I be gone, um, like the sister, the sister won't be here either," because that's been a construct he's been making. Yeah. So that's really sad and depressing. Uh, so yeah, so uh, it really sets up his motivation. Uh, our final sequence, though, is in the Amazon rainforest. We see a, a sort of group of military that are get into the forest looking for whatever, and out comes a, a bird construct from the the Revenant Queen, and we see what looks like a, a bunch of like constructs of uh, various. I don't know. Are these like tribespeople? And then there's like yeah, cheetahs. And yeah, so they look like they're indigenous. So if they're in Brazil, those are probably jaguars, not cheetahs. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, but they look like the indigenous Wait, people can, that are. Can fighting jaguars be spotty? I thought jaguars were. Oh no, ja- no jaguars have spots, but they have like the rounded spots. They're not just the, you know, they're almost like circles more yeah. than they're spots. So. I, I, I must be thinking of pumas that are 
Clayton. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, Jaguars can be melanistic, which means that that's how you get black. That's also how you get black panthers, right? Okay. Those are leopards that um, they have too much melanin, so they end up going dark instead of having the spots. Um, same thing can happen with jaguars. Uh, this has been Matt's uh, wildlife yeah. minute. Luckily, you so, know a lot about wild cats, but go on. Yes, but anyways, um, but yeah, so um, the indigenous, so it looks like the indigenous people are fighting back against the loggers, but Varen, who's the radiant dead uh, uh, guy that was a Green Lantern, he, it looks like he's taking their image and is attacking them with it, you know? So, because if you look at one of the guys on the motorcycles, he has the tattoo wrapping from his shoulder down to his arm. Yeah. And one of the constructs has those too. So. Yeah, I wonder. Like, maybe they can still turn regular people, but the regular people who get turned aren't as useful because yeah. they don't they don't facilitate new constructs. They're just kind of fodder right. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Curious. They just do that because, well, because we know that there's a new Radiant Queen because it infected that astronaut. Yes. In yes, the first. Yes. So, yeah, it's just, it, it oh, seems Re- a consume. Uh, it's Revenant Queen Radiant Dead. Re- that's right. We do this all the time. Yeah. Um, but. You're swapping um, them around. Yeah, but so it, it seems like it consumes the constructs and that's what it's going after. So the more, so they point out to John, the more he uses his power, the quicker the sickness is going to spread in him. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see how that ends up. I'm sure. Yeah, sure which which means well. he's going to have to show restraint, but then there'll be moments mm-hmm. where he's forced to use his power and it's like, oh, he's right. he's given up a part of his life every yep. time he, he does that. It's yep. interesting. Yeah, uh, Yeah, no, it's a solid issue. I think it's maybe my least favorite of the three, but not because there's anything wrong with it, just because yeah. the first two were so strong in their pacing. Yeah. This one, I felt the pacing was a little weaker, but it does leave us in a place where John's making the choice to go and like start this fight. Like Now he's involved, now he cares mm-hmm. about what's going on. So it feels like we've ended the opening act to the, the story here with this issue. So super excited yeah. to the next one. There's that. And then Montos's art, like the scene on the train when when Shepard comes with the birds. Yeah, uh, specifically when so the good. when Shepard picks up the train with the birds because uh yeah. cuz the you know the 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 the, the infected lantern uh mm-hmm. Varen. Varen, thank you. I knew it was a V. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he's like blown up part of the track and yep. the shepherd like picks up the train with these bird constructs and flies mm-hmm. it over to the other side uh, it's a great yeah. it's a great little like action moment to be honest it looks mm-hmm. good so. very much uh so and then to the the constructs at the end and just you know uh that design for kyle and the the realm between realms basically you know that that shepherd takes uh john to all that stuff looks really really cool so yeah, Montrez is just killing it. Yeah, he's been very good on this book uh, since since it started. Uh, what are you giving uh, War Journal issue three? I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite happily. All right, Batman Superman World's Finest issue twenty one. Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the R. Mm-hmm. So we went into the Kingdom Come universe last issue. Uh, although mm-hmm. of course it was not in that future it was uh during batman and superman's prime and yep. it ended with uh thunderman as he's going by in this this mm-hmm. world or boy thunder as we knew him uh mm-hmm. attacking superman and the big thing here is that clark and bruce of this universe both become aware of this fight that's happening in the middle of the city mm-hmm. and boy thunder starts yelling about how these two are imposters and that they're here to kill him 
Look, they're murderers. So we get Superman versus Superman, and we get Batman versus Batman. Mm -hmm. And because this universe has never encountered the multiverse before, they don't immediately assume, oh, this is us from a different universe. They think, oh, no, this is something more malicious. This is definitely Mm -hmm. villains that are mimicking who we are. Yeah, imposters of some kind. Uh, But I like when Batman's fighting Batman and he's using all of his moves. And our Batman is trying to tell him, like, look, it's because I'm you. And isn't this weird? Like, who else could match you? You Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're so evenly matched that there's almost no other explanation. Uh, And then we get to see angry Superman, which is super rare. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which there there was a lot of stuff that wasn't adding up here, and it felt just slightly off. And when we get to the video at the end, it makes sense. And that's why I'm glad, because Superman's clearly picking up on that too, which is why he's so angry. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, Dick even shows up and has read Nightwing yep. outfit in this earth. Uh, and our Bruce even says, oh, that's definitely Dick, given the way he's talking. Yep. Uh, you know, he's deducing these things. The Kents mm-hmm. are dead. There's tombstones at the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we get angry Superman, as you said. Mm-hmm. Like, he yells in, in anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so it, it, it's all building up. Uh, and it's like, okay, there's, there's some... The, the David uh, Thunder... Boy Thunder slash Thunderman. Uh-huh. He's clearly trying to conceal something. He's lying so heavily to yep. the others. He doesn't want to tell them what's going on. And, of course, this is when Gog comes in. And Batman and Superman from this universe get on their knees. Like, they, they bow yep. down before Gog. Yep. So... Uh, the big cliffhanger is the entire Justice League of this universe showing up to fight Batman and Superman. So yep. they're on the back foot. Obviously, everyone here has been manipulated. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a big thing. Um, so, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, as per usual, the art in here is gorgeous. Uh, Dan Mora gets to draw different versions of like a lot of the characters here. You've got, obviously, the Nightwing. Uh, you've got this version of Batman and Superman which aren't too different, but they're different enough. I think the big thing, mm-hmm. though, is that final two-page spread where you're seeing, you know, some of them look pretty close to normal, you know, that you'd expect. But then some of them look a bit different. You know, they, they stick out uh, a touch. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just looking through the page here. Um, you know, like, it's been also some Red Kingdom come, so I don't know if these are just designs that have been taken from Kingdom Come, but... Yeah, no. Um, so definitely the the whole the the bat suit that flies that Bruce is wearing yeah. is definitely a take on the Kingdom Come Batman suit, right? Because he's got the by that point in the story he's been broken so many times he has to have the exoskeleton. Um, oh yeah, I remember Superman, that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And Superman definitely has the I don't think he has the black slash s the red slash yeah, but he's definitely got the graying temples. It's definitely an older Superman. You know, but not quite. So they're almost halfway there to to Kingdom Come, which is nice. Um, it's just I the stuff with David more more or less him him lying and you know about his origins to to this Kingdom Come stuff. Uh, that, that's the hook that got me uh, on here because like how does how did he end up with Gog, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, just this idea that he is befriended mm-hmm. and manipulated. This, you know, these versions of these heroes yep. definitely builds a different dynamic. And yep. the idea that he's trying to keep the multiverse a secret, 
you know, and maybe it's just because he saw that one day his Batman and Superman might show up and it would ruin everything that he's got going. Maybe that is just the sole reason why he's keeping it secret. Uh, or or maybe not. I'm not sure. But uh, it's, I mean, it's all very gorgeous. It's a, it's, Mark Wade's so good at writing these characters that it's very easy to, to read. There's a whole fun action sequence where Superman is trying to trick their Superman by flying mm-hmm. through tunnels and, you know, making sort of whistling noises and stuff. Yeah. To, uh, so he try- goes through a lead mine, right? So yeah. he can't, can't use the X-ray vision to find them, and then him knowing that, you know, creates enough noise disturbance to throw off older Superman. So uh, it's a yeah, it's a fun way of using like his own weaknesses against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that stuff's really enjoyable. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm enjoy- I'm curious to see where this this goes next uh, with yeah. uh, this David stuff. Uh, presumably, he'll end up becoming Magog by the end of the story, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless he's got like a third dark plan to get to that point. But it seems like right. we may get to it here. Given that we've introduced Gog, it feels like yeah. we'll we'll get to that probably before too long. Mm-hmm. So, very good. Uh, all right, what are you giving Batman Superman World's Finest? I'm going to give it a seven point five. Yeah, it seems about. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll agree with that. Some big moments, but ultimately, it just it's it's fine. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that stood out outside of Angry Superman to me, right? Yeah, the, it's not it's not like an amazing issue you're going to remember yeah. for years to come around like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think seven point five seems fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Titans issue five, legacy number one two nine. Tom Taylor writing with Nicholas Scott on the art. So this obviously the big, the big cliffhanger last time was Tempest infected Linda with the the body mm-hmm. snatcher parasite thing, and it seemed like oh so now they've isolated Wally and Linda on this base on Mars, but she's actually the danger now. She's the one who might kill yep. him. Um, it didn't play out exactly like I thought it would. I'll say that much. Yeah, it, it went in a different direction. It sort of basically did this thing where Dick had figured out that she was probably the going to go infected with whatever it was. She'd kind of mm-hmm. he'd kind of put this together. So the he took them there kind of intentionally. And I think what I wasn't expecting is that I thought Linda was going to try and infect Wally. Instead, yeah. they're looking around this room and they've got all these dangerous artifacts from all the various villains. And one of them is just this bomb. And uh-huh. Linda goes up and tries to set off the bomb by pressing oh. it. And Dick's like, well we obviously decommissioned it all so it was safe. <laughs> yeah. We're not idiots. Uh, so we get a whole scene here where the parasite flies out of Linda's mouth towards towards Wally and Dick. Sort of. I wasn't expecting that. That yeah. was pretty cool. It, it was it was a really fun little moment. It definitely. I thought it was going to be like an issue where we're going to be tense the whole time because Linda yep. keeps trying to be alone with Wally, and it's going to be when is she going to strike? I was not mm-hmm. expecting her try to just blow up the place within the first two pages of their yep. scenes, but. Uh, it definitely was an entertaining payoff, though. Uh, yeah. So, you know. And I do love that Wally being like, how would you put that together? And Dick being like, look, th- this is the only thing it could have been because of the lives that we lead, right? It had to be you someone know? close to you. Yeah. Uh, Tempest has been acting out a character, so obviously uh-huh. they've got a better idea there. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Beast Boy and the others are in uh, Borneo, and they're dealing with the, the grunts, and they say, hey, we need yeah. to like solve this this." you know, all this deforestation, it's not going to work. We need some help. And Raven's like, I've got an idea. And much to my surprise, they go to Levi, uh, Swamp mm-hmm. Thing, from Ram V Swamp Thing. 
and mm -hmm. enlist his help and say, hey, we need, we need to, you know, reforest the place. And he comes with them and he notes that when Starfire touches his arm, flowers blossom and they set up that her energy is actually sunlight, basically. Yeah, it's ultraviolet. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they take Swamp Thing back and, like, between him using his green connection... Starfire, sunlight, and then uh, even was it is it Raven who creates some wind with a portal to yeah. build a whole climate, basically to repopulate mm -hmm. the forest. Uh, lots of fun stuff there. Um, I I really like them all working together, and it all it, well. There's two key things I want to take away from this. One mm -hmm. is that Swamp Things asked to join the Titans, even if it's on a part time basis, because mm -hmm. having someone who's connected to the green is is going to be helpful and he's also gonna, mega powerful so it would help well, there's, there's that and he's got a connection to the planet so it's like why wouldn't we want a representative for earth mm. you know the earth itself which makes you know a lot and just the art here with nicola scott just you get the vibe that levi has been so lonely right that's yeah. one thing that him being asked to join a team just makes his entire year because the smile on the swamp thing's face is it really goes yeah, it's really good stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's when Dick and Wally and that have joined them where they officially invite him and yeah. he smiles and says, I'd really like that. The other thing here, though, I thought was quite interesting because we, mm -hmm. we were questioning this, I think, last issue yeah. was Beast Boy turning into lots of little animals like, instead of like ones. Like swarms, yeah. Yeah, and I still think there's like a, there's a problem with this and, like, because... Like, because we said, is it just about you can create a, a, the same amount that would amount to his mass? But the problem with yep. that is, is that he he turns into bigger animals than him all the time. He yep. he'll turn into a rhinoceros or a gorilla, and he'll get bigger in size. So the question then becomes: Then why can't he become a million bees instead of just mm -hmm. you know however many happens to roughly fit the size of his body? But right. with that complaint aside, the interesting little thing here they they put in is that Raven talks about how when Beast Boy, like, turns into all these little creatures, which he does here to try and help the, the environment... Ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, like, sometimes, like, one of them will die because something will step on it or something. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, like, it's like Beast Boy is losing a small part of himself. And I do think this is setting up the Beast World stuff where maybe... Yeah, me too. The reason why he's going to perhaps be angrier or out of character or whatever is because... He's losing little bits of himself every time this happens. And we see, you know, uh, a big cat, like, seemingly crush one of the mm -hmm. one of the bees or whatever. So it's uh, it's like, oh, a little bit of Beast Boy just died. He's literally giving himself a little bit of himself up every time he does that to, to help yep. try and save the world, which is very admirable. But it's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is setting up some consequences, and I like that. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, because I, I do like that they addressed it, right? That Tom yeah. Taylor... Was just like, oh yeah, no, there's there's a, a reason that we've never seen him do this till now, you know. Yeah. And it also shows how desperate Gar is at wanting to save the Earth. I, I, I do have some questions though about the limits of like how many he can make. Yeah. But you know, like that's maybe something they'll get to. Maybe they won't. Maybe it's something we'll just sort of leave. Well, judging from what I've read in the solicits of 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 the Beast World stuff, it almost feels like that's you know he's been stretched to his limits and that's mm. what causes this, you know? So yeah, we, we will see there. It does seem like there's a plan for all of this. Yeah. Which is good. It feels like it's built into mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Uh, and arguably this was out of the two Tom Taylor books. This was the one that was maybe the better build to what we're going mm -hmm. to. Uh, 
Which, you know, we get to the ending and it's Brother Eternity with Tempest and he's like, Wally's mm-hmm. supposed to be dead. Why is he not dead? This is supposed to be over by now. Um, and the big reveal at the end, because uh, he's like, oh, we have to launch, but, you know, we're like like our... Oh, what does he call his leader? His... What do you mean? The... Uh, the I, new ruler. I have it open in front of me. Yeah, he says, uh, we have to make the planet uh, more hospitable for its new ruler. So... They're uh, prepping the planet for whoever's going to be in charge next. Yeah. And the final page reveal uh, with Brother Eternity's eyes and he wipes off some of his makeup. We didn't realize he was wearing makeup, of course. No. Nope. But he's wiping off some makeup and it looks like he's Tamaranian. Uh, yep. Which based on this final page. Because we, we saw that the meteor had some Tamaranian origin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Um yeah, a big week for Tamaranians. It is a big NBC. week for Tamaranians, yeah. yeah. Two books have some Tamaranian stuff going on. <clears throat> uh, I really... And also here he uh, says it's time for the human race to end. So yeah, we're building mm-hmm. up to something apocalyptic. And it says next Titans Beast World. So it seems like, yeah, mm-hmm. like this is going to be the main villain of Beast World, which is, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, if not him, then whoever he's working for, certainly. Yeah. So... Uh, no, I thought this was a really effective. Uh, it it says out of the shadows finale, which it's not doesn't feel like a finale. It feels no. This feels like the prologue to what the event is, which is fine. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I do wonder though if they'll. I mean, it is what issue was this? This was issue five. I do five. wonder if they'll collect it with the main Beast World story, but probably not because five's enough for a trade. Yeah. So they can say it's the prologue to Beast World. They even call mm-hmm. it that. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't also surprise me if this has the Nightwing stuff in it too that kind of set up the titans book if they're gonna do oh a trade. sure yeah that uh that was a whole arc though wasn't it was it i thought it was like two or three issues maybe i'm mixing it up maybe it was just one yeah. or two issues that set up this but because because they were in yeah. a whole arc with nightwing though yeah before that so mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know how they'll split it up but yeah anyway we're getting ready for titans beast world though it's nice yeah. to actually be interested in an event if you want to call it that uh, yeah. when in reality I mean it isn't it's got its own book and it'll be that and the Titans book and there's a few tie-in one shots so I guess it is an event but mm. it doesn't feel like it's spanning all of the other books which is nice it's its own no. kind of corner I suppose yeah so I'm looking forward to it I thought this was a fun setup. Um, it was a fun reveal it did take me a second to realize what the reveal was though it was clear that it was revealing something to me but I had to really look at him and think about what it was doing yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, because I had to go back and double check because he didn't have a pupil now. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's Tamaranian now, definitely for sure. Yeah, it was that sort of thing where I wasn't sure if the it was makeup coming off at first. I thought it was like just a light was hitting his face because sometimes that's how comic art looks. Yeah, where, yeah gotcha. And I was like, oh no, no, he's he's actually wiping off makeup. This is mm-hmm. this is uh, okay. I was like, good. dang, he's really tanned. <laughs> and then like, oh no, he's. Tamaranian. Yeah, so. so we'll we'll see how this goes, which is nice because we keep thinking about how Beast World is obviously going to be Beast Boy focused, but yep. the reveal that the villain is Tamaranian means that Starfire is probably going to get a fair bit of yep. uh, development in this as well, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels like it's much more of a Titans thing than just Beast Boy. For sure, point. yeah. So, yeah. And that's good. Plus, they, they, they reaffirmed here that Raven's close to Beast Boy and is concerned about mm-hmm. him, so that's going to be something that will play into everything yep. as well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, really good. And the idea that we're trying to take out Wally because Wally's arguably the biggest threat of the team to anyone because yeah. he's you know his powers are easily more powerful than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like even Starfire, who's obviously very powerful, Wally's super speed is hard to overcome for yeah. just about anyone. So yeah, interesting. 
Plus, at least Starfire, if they're also Tamaranian, they can fight fire with fire with her, as far as mm-hmm. it's concerned. So, no, very, very good issue. Uh, I think the art from Nicholas Scott, as per usual, is is very, very good. Uh, sometimes some of our smaller panels can be a little lacking in detail. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's some panels where she'll have to do a lot of characters in, like, a, a small box, and, you know, relative to others, they have to be relatively... Yeah. Uh, light on detail but then you get that full page where like when dick and wally show up and starfire's in the sky above them and it's that full page spread of the sun shining uh and i say it's it's actually starfire that's shining but it looks like the sun Mm -hmm. and you got the 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 life all the the plant life coming up from the bottom it just looks very pretty uh you know it's it's pages like that where nicholas scott's art really excels i think um although my favorite panel in the the book um is probably the, the the parasite coming out of linda's mouth towards That's, Wally. I think that is yeah. a fantastic... I think she looks very uh, lifelike uh, mm-hmm. Linda in that, in that panel, uh, with the shading on her face. Mm-hmm. But then just the grossness of the of the parasite is just Coming, perfect. Coming, like being ejected out of her. Yeah, so she's just vo- yeah. she's projectile vomited this like furry looking parasite yeah. at him. Yeah. Uh, luckily, Wally's got super speed though, so he just wishes out of the uh, yeah. out of the way. And then Dick well, electrocutes also the art also looks great too. Is is like the 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 effect of him moving? Yeah, right? yeah. That entire page yeah. is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's really good stuff. Uh, so very good, very good. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's Titans. Uh, building up to Beast World very nicely. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I also liked uh, the, the art on Linda looking very upset that she tried to kill her husband in the next yeah. page. Uh, I thought that was handled quite well too. So, uh, what are you giving the Titans? I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Yeah, um, I'll just go straight eight. I I I think it's a really solid book. Uh, really built, enjoying the build to be swirled. I think it's done mm-hmm. a, a good things to set up both. I think the reveal at the end's good. I think the continuing character development with Raven and Beast Boy, uh, are doing a good job laying the groundwork mm-hmm. for the story we're getting. But it does feel like a prologue. It feels like a prologue to the the, the real story which is about to start, which which is fine. But yeah, uh, it very much is that. So cool. Justice Society of America, issue 7, Jeff Johns writing with Marco Santucci on the R. So, I remember when we got the last issue of this. It's... I don't either, and I'm missing it because I went through my comics. Uh, I have a gap from, from 5 to 7 now. So... Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm oh, sure no. I'll have that one back down. Um... Yeah, so this is... I, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I love what mm-hmm. Johns is doing with all these characters. I think the gaps between the issues, and because the plots are a lot of different threads right now, is making it a little tough to remember what, mm-hmm. what we were doing last time. Uh, but all the stuff in here is really great. Uh, the opening... Uh, well, outside of this villain they're setting up, uh, who mm-hmm. is branding people with a tattoo of a diamond uh, mm-hmm. after the it, it, it grabs them for yeah. a crime. It's, I think, isn't it supposed to be Harlequin's son? Or some, not Harley Quinn. Um, we we ran into them in, in Huntresses, right? Yeah, it yeah. Was, you know, so just that the fact that they're operating right now, I thought yeah. was interesting. I, I couldn't remember the name, but yeah, they seem to be, uh, mm-hmm. like, they're branding criminals. And, they, and the idea being that if he ever encounters them breaking the, the law again, that they'll he'll know they're repeat offenders because they've got this tattoo yeah. and he'll do something more permanent. <laughs> I mean, that's what uh, Aldo Reigns did in, in Inglorious Bastards, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hide it forever, so... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's hard it's hard not to be okay with it though when it's nazis that so the jsa along with batman are fighting grundy uh, uh salem keeps saying i know how to deal with grundy this is easy peasy like i i i I was with the real Dr. Fate for years, you stupid little <sighs> imposter. And she goes to do a spell to deal with Grundy. And instead of sending him somewhere, she incinerates him and he burns alive until he's just a skeleton. And then when Huntress yells at her, it's like, you just, you just fried my friend. We're trying to recruit yeah. him. Like, he's, he's, he's my buddy. And you just yeah. killed him. And Salem's like, it's Saturday. <laughs> That's what's supposed to happen yeah he'll be born yeah. again on monday easy peasy yeah. uh so um, I, I really enjoyed that scene yeah no that was good it was uh they were trying to turn him into cyrus gold his human form yes uh and and she, she lights him on fire which i'm looking at salem the witch girl i'm like you kind of suck like <laughs> you're just not a good person you know yeah, uh, I, I thought the panel of huntress yelling at her with the, you know, yeah. through the mask there looked quite good uh yep. so then we go to icicle jr and uh, mm-hmm. Belle Reeve and terrific power girl and Jakim are there trying to recruit mm-hmm. him and he's like you want me to be on your good team he's like yeah you've never done anything too bad like you have been a bad guy but you're, you've never done anything as heinous as your father and you've helped us out in the past and it references an old issue yep um so th- this is basically obviously Huntress wanting to get her team from the future mm-hmm. set up which you know, maybe won't work the way it's supposed to, right? Despite all of her best efforts. Uh, but, yes, Icicle Jr. seems very, very, like, gun-ho about getting out of here. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just dying to save the world. And he kind of winks at them. And it, it looks yeah. like, I don't know if we can trust you, to be honest, Cameron. Well, and then I do like that Power Girl page is just like, yeah, you know, you don't have to worry about any of these heating elements because I have portable ones with me at all times. <laughs> you know, I, I, I did like that. Yeah, I got a portable heat sinks uh, or heat lamps. I think that's what she said. Yep. Uh, so heat sinks. Heat sinks are the opposite. They're to cool things down. Yeah. Uh, forgive me. Uh, then we got to Jean Loring in um, this, a, this an asylum. Weird. Yeah, this was a bit of a, a, a sidestep here. I, I like the scene though. Uh, yeah. So uh, our young Doctor Midnight goes and is trying to interview her about Eclipso. And of course, if you've mm-hmm. read Identity Crisis and all that, you'll know all about uh, yeah. Jean Loring, who was the Atom's oh. wife and yeah. became susceptible to Eclipso and his control. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, she doesn't really get very aware, but yeah. So, Wildcat seems to be controlled by Eclipso right now, right? It was yeah. that, that was the implication... So that was the implication that I got from yeah, it. Yeah, because uh, they're yeah. talking about Eclipso taking over someone and typically it, it doesn't like completely like remove who you are. It's mm-hmm. more like all the people you hate and all of the vendettas you've got, all of a sudden you'll become... It's like, amplified. Yeah, you, you'll just like... Right. It, it sounds kind of like Angel losing his soul in the hit television show yeah. for the vampires there, where all the inhibi- <laughs> inhibitions go away and yeah. you, ju- you just do the awful things that you kind of want to. And then what? you turn the page and it's this full... It's a really nice page, actually, of uh, mm-hmm. Wildcat uh, Yolanda that is... Uh, crouched on a rooftop in the rain and her eyes are lit up it, it really does give me the vibe that she's the one going after Amanda Waller but it's just a tease mm-hmm. I, I'm a little worried that it's going to be like two months until issue 8 and I'm going to forget like all forget these, about this. All these yeah. moments that they're setting up the thing with the Jean scene that I really liked is where she just goes I know you're there and Dr. Midnight's like looking around like yeah I'm right here he's like no not you my husband 
you know, I can't see him, but I know he's there. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, seating, seating the Ray Palmer stuff again. Oh, yeah. You know? So. Uh, big stuff. Uh, Dr. Fate takes Salem to the Tower of Fate. And she's surprised that there's like secrets in here she doesn't know about. Again, just maybe pointing out that she's not as, uh, you know, great as she thinks yeah. she is. Uh, I and- also love the, uh, you know, you could fix these uh, stairways. You would know that if you were Dr. Fate, though. I just like, she's just a little mean girl. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I just, yeah. Yeah. And, but Dr. Fate's like, like, you know what? I'm not going to be around in the GSA because I'm just a distraction because you just hate my guts. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. But then she's, she zaps him and says she wants the helmet. Uh, and basically says F you. (laughs) Well, he tries to take her home to Limbo World. Um, and, and she's not going to go. And that's why, that's where she's absent and says that she wants the helmet. Yeah. And she, yeah. you know, disappears uh, after he blasts mm-hmm. her and he takes off the, the helmet and it's just kind of like, you know, he gets like a vision that says save Grundy. Yeah. Uh, yep. But um, the end of the issue is that some characters from the Legion of Superheroes show up, although it does no. correct it and says the Legion yep. of Substitute Heroes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we get... Hold on, let me just lean in so I can read these because the text is really small. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Animal Lad, we've uh-huh. got Rainbow Girl, and we've got Stone Boy. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with these three characters, Matt? So, only Rainbow Girl, and that's because she was in the Legion of Three Worlds, or she was in one of the John's Legion books where they were hinting that she had a tie into the emotional spectrum because her colors were red, green, and blue. And she could tap into those three. And so we saw her get angry, tap into the red, mm. uh, and, and all of that stuff. So her so the fact that she's no longer in the Legion and now she's she's Rainbow Girl, um I think that's interesting. The Legion of Substitute Heroes are the 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 B team, the backbench of the Legion. And they're always okay. kind of played for jokes. I mean, you know? do you like seeing a lion wearing the Superman outfit? Because that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I like <laughs> I like the thing on there is that he's he could become every animal, but he's stuck in between human and lion right now. Yeah, right? He's, a, he's a human body with a lion head. Yeah, and so, like, it's like Beast Boy, but if Beast Boy got stuck, he had transformation. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Stone Boy, he can, you know, turn his body into stone, but he's stuck in that position. Right? Like a statue, which... Again, these are all Legion of Substitute Hero stuff. There's always a fun little twist. I believe that's where Matter Eater Lad came from, who could just eat everything. Sure, yeah. Uh, he sounds like a, he a even... silly concept, so he probably he came is. from this. Yep, so, and he ended up making the, the A-Squad. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting to, to pull the Legion into Justice. Like, it makes sense, because Justice Societies always seem to be about legacy. Um, yeah, I so mean, of course, I enjoyed know. all the threads that he's playing with in this issue. I enjoyed the Grundy mm-hmm. scene. I enjoyed the Gene Loring scene. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I'm into what it's doing um, but I am a little worried that it's all just like you know four or five threads rather than like a, a focused story in this issue Yeah, and I'm concerned that when we come back for issue 8 it's going to have been two or three months and I'm going to struggle to remember any of these things that were set up uh, yeah. so I hope I do because I am enjoying it and I do think it is it feels like typical John's just pulling out of his DC toy box and telling stories of, of these like lesser weirder or c-less characters and i'm into all that um mm-hmm. i just hope i remember any of it come next issue yeah i will say that the grundy stuff really hit with me because uh grundy's a character that i have a weird uh not an infatuation but like i like seeing grundy and things 
And so when it seems seems that Salem killed him, uh, it made me sad. It made me not like her. So mm. uh, if that was the what the intent was. I mean, uh, she's a little shell issue, so I'm not. Yeah, you know, it's definitely going for that. I think um, the art is is solid. There's definitely some nice moments in panels mm-hmm. when they're fighting Grundy and moments of expression. Typically, a Santucci does a good yelling face. So when Huntress yeah. is yelling at Salem or Salem's mm-hmm. yelling at Fate later on, like those, those moments look really mm-hmm. good. Uh, heavy on the inks again here as well. Uh, but obviously, like Olaturgi is is or sorry, uh, Santucci. He's the next book. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the, yeah, the wrong line. Right. Uh, Santucci, I think, is a solid artist. But I mean, obviously, Yannin was so good in that first arc that it, yeah. it, it does feel like it's a step down, and that's through no fault other than just we had someone else before. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's all enough issue though. Uh, what were you given JSA? I'm gonna give this. A, I'll give it seven point five. Yeah, I was thinking seven. I think it's it's one of those uh, issues where there's a lot of plot threads going as we're building up to something. So it's less of a full meal of an issue, but I, I enjoyed pretty much everything in it. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying I'm excited about this Legion B team at the end, but I'm curious mm-hmm. to see what it does with it. Uh, there's so many things going on in the book, though, that even if it sticks around, it'll be like one fifth of the next issue, probably. Yeah. So uh, that's Justice Society of America issue seven. And I'll take us on to... Jay Garrick, The Flash, Issue 2, Jeremy Adams writing with Diego Olortigue on the R. So, yeah, um, I enjoyed Issue 1 of this, and Issue 2 mm-hmm. is more of basically trying to get used to the idea that, that Judy is, is here, and Jay mm-hmm. kind of trying to maybe not be too protective. We, we get another glimpse of, the, of this uh, flashback uh, with the JSA back in the, the day, when they're fighting Robear, which is a bear with <laughs> robot mech parts attached to him. I'm I sh- love it. I'm sure it's you so, love this, Matt. It's so golden age, right? Uh, so, um, but yeah, I also like that we, you know, the as they're fighting, Jay's not there. And so um, we get to see kind of the dynamics of the Justice Society at the time, you know, where we're, you know, uh, you have Spectre, you have, well, you have Jay Garrick hanging out with Spectre, and then when they need him for, you know, his speed, you know, uh, Alan Scott gives out the call, and here Jay comes, like, I thought that was all a lot of fun. It made for a fun action sequence. Yeah, and then the bear, after he fights the bear a bit, there's a great uh-huh. two-page layout where it's like four very long horizontal panels yep. going across the two pages, where Jay speeds in and then does the tornado arms behind him, and then the JSA come running in. It just looks, it looks really good. Nice sequential art. Mm-hmm. Um, but they see a, a logo that says the ISA uh, on yeah. it. And then the bear seemingly disappears into thin air. And then it cuts to present day. Uh, Judy's getting a physical mm-hmm. um, in Detroit to see if she's all right. And yep. uh, it's like the doctor says, yeah, she's completely fine. She's healthy. You know, like yeah. she's going to live up a normal life and, and be whatever. But Jay's very protective. He's worried about her. Um, and when Judy says she wants to go to the, the mall, or to be more precise, Courtney's going to take me to something called a mall and yeah. go shopping. Uh, uh, Jay doesn't like the idea, but immediately Joan is like, no, on, on you go, be back whenever, uh, before dinner. And Jay tries to intervene, and she's like, shut up, sit down, and give her, her, her you know, her space. Get Let her go be uh-huh. a girl and, and grow. She's, she's tough, she's smart, she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And Jay's just sort of like, 
slouched. Yes, dear. It gave me, it gave me a chuckle. Yeah. Well, there's that, and then him, him, like, it's probably only been 10 seconds, right? Yes. But he, the fidgeting that he's doing, that John's like, all right, go, go take a look, but don't, and don't interact with her. Don't let her know you're there. You know? Yeah. Well, so. that's, 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 that's not on the same page, though. That's like after we see them briefly. There's like a second page where Joan says, all right, fine. Go and check on her at a distance, but don't let her see you. Uh, so there is at least a break between those two two moments because it cuts yeah. to the mall and Judy's like, like her her dopamine levels are just going through the roof. And she's like, wait, look at all this stuff. Like, there's one of these in every city. And then Courtney's like, uh, have you ever heard of a food court? It's like a court of food sounds amazing. So they're doing some fish out of water stuff where she's not really mm-hmm. familiar with all the modern trappings of the world. Uh, and then you get the page where Jay's looking at the the, the, the clock ticking, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, fine, go and check on her, but don't let her see you." And Judy is just stuffing her face like a speedster because, as we know, their it's calorie not. intake needs to be high. So she's stuffing her face with burgers, with pizza, just everything all my favorite foods just all the garbage <laughs> uh know. dear uh but then robert shows up in the mall in present day yeah. and dives at them and uh jay jumps in judy's pissed that he's there because she wanted space but mm-hmm. the uh start fighting robert big action scene in the mall lots of speed lanes uh eventually jay gives her a baseball bat and says hey you were a good swinger if i remember correctly Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that was getting that in the narration at the start is that Jay has got other memories coming back, like these other JSA uh-huh. memories that were all gone. Like it wasn't just Judy that was erased. So all this mm-hmm. stuff is starting to sprinkle back. Um, so, yeah. With the, what's it, Doctor? Oh, the hint at the villain. Yes. Um, yeah, he was in the last issue. Yeah. Yeah. Him, Robert, the this mission with the ISA. A lot of stuff's been blanked out yeah. uh, because so, of Judy. Robert disappears again, and seemingly there's like a green cube of sorts that's yeah. floating where he was right after he... Uh, or sorry, that appears, and then mm. it kind of, like... It doesn't... Does it stab him? I, I'm actually struggling to tell in the second last panel. It's just like... Let me open this one. It's all these uh, green bars. I, I thought it made him disappear again, but now I'm looking at it. Maybe, maybe it did kill him. I don't know. Uh... But, uh, yeah, so it's basically like what's going on here. Some things from his past are showing up again uh, and seemingly want her. Like, because mm-hmm. he came after the, the Judy. He came after the Dar. So, yeah, uh, that seems to be so, the goal here. So it says snap. And then uh, it says he'll see you and your daughter soon. So, yeah, I don't know if it's if it killed him or if it. it transported him but when i first read it, i i read it as teleporting because that's what he did at the yeah. start but now i'm looking at that second last panel it kind of looks like the green brick like splits into all these like little beams and it looks right, like it, and it says schlunk yeah in the word so yeah oh man this villain is terrible he just killed robert <laughs> oh because you knew who robert was before you started this comic <laughs> i felt like i've known robert my whole life i'm just saying yes a cyborg bear is just obviously right on matt sally uh it's up there with Cy gorilla Hey, Robert, Sigarella, give me, give me all of the uh, robotic animals. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed this issue again. I think it did a good job of making me care about the the Jay and Judy relationship. I think Judy's mm-hmm. fish out of water stuff and like re- friendship with Courtney's fun to to see, and I like the pulpy villains from the JSA era. I mean, it's a very easy read, much like uh, yep. Jeremy Adams' Flash Run. 
it, it was a breeze to get through. Um, feels mm-hmm. like you get a full chapter. But it's also not like an issue of Tom King's Wonder Woman where you're getting like in-depth like themes to discuss and all no. that. It's just a really fun little romp of a comic book. Yeah. But the things it is hitting on about, you know, being a protective parent and, you know, trying yeah. trying to do right, right? All that stuff still lands in a, you know, despite all the goofy and kind of silliness. So, but no, I really, really like this. Like, uh, it read real quick, too. Like, before I got to the end of the issue... Like, I was like, oh, man, I'm already done. Like I felt the same, yeah. I got to that uh, final panel saying next time, yep. and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, we're done? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, on a week with 10 books, I was not mad. <laughs> a couple nope. books feeling quick, but uh, yeah. So oh. uh, what were you rating mm-hmm. Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue two? I'm going to give this an 8.5. I really liked it. Whoa, I was not expecting it to go that high. Um yeah. I think for I think for me it's more a seven point five. I, I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite doing enough like you know meaty stuff to feel great, but I really yeah. enjoyed reading it, and I'm I'm digging to see more more of this this relationship mm-hmm. form between the the father and daughter. So and the pulpy villains are a nice. are always a plus. So yeah, good. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, final book of the week then. Justice mm-hmm. League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue two. Brian Buccioletto writing with Christian Deuce on the art, and Matt didn't mm-hmm. read issue one for last month. But yep. upon hearing me talk about it, he immediately said, "I have to read this." So yes, uh, you've you've caught up, despite the fact that it's a ten book week. You somehow caught yep. up with this one. Well, I I caught up on this before the books came out this week. Oh, so. uh, no doubt, I'm sure you did. Yes, but, yes, yes. So, uh, which that that first issue. You were you weren't kidding. It is a lot of fun. I got Titano, but the moment in that first issue for me was Grodd worshiping King Kong like a god. Yeah, yeah. Because he sees a giant gorilla and was like, "Yep, this is my new calling." <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah, and the big um, cliffhanger, of course, was Superman yes. flying off to uh, confront Godzilla, yep. who had just come out of the mm-hmm. war. I think yep. um, the thing that stuck out to me about this issue, before we get into what mm-hmm. happens in it, is that. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's more or less present-day DCU, except for yep. the fact that Superman was proposing to Lois, because Damien's Robin, um, I think Batgirl's yep. in her current Batgirl outfit. Like, it felt like everything feels more or less present-day. It's just yep. the fact that Superman and Lois are just at the proposal stage of their relationship instead mm-hmm. of further along. So, Which is kind of weird, because it means we have Damien, but John's not even sniffing right. uh reality yet although i suppose right. in a way that's how it started because damien existed and john didn't happen till uh you know much later yeah so uh just interesting I, I guess we're at a point now where a lot of the present day dc stuff can just be put into an out of continuity story mm-hmm. whereas i feel like for a long time if something was out of continuity it was probably going to be the more classic stuff that was going yep. to be there to represent the the dcu it'd, it'd be the silver agey versions of things mm-hmm. whereas now it's kind of a weird mix where there's a lot of modern stuff because a lot of the writers now that are writing have an affinity for a lot of the modern trappings of yeah DC. so brian bucciolato went on to twitter today to kind of address some of the stuff because some people are very upset with the way some things in this issue uh, and what we'll get there played out okay but he he pointed out this is out of continuity and there's no canon in dealing with king kong godzilla and the justice league so he can kind of make stuff up as he goes. So each sure. thing is here is just the way that he wants to tell the story because it being out of continuity means kind of... And, and for the record, I am okay yeah. with the Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong story mm-hmm. being out of continuity version. Oh, 100%. But there's some <laughs> people that got very, very worked by what happened in this issue, and I want to tell them 
it, it's King Kong versus Godzilla versus Justice League. There's it's issue two. That's another thing he said. He goes, people are getting really, really upset over. You know, this is part two out of seven. I don't even know what they're getting upset about. I, uh, like, uh, we'll, we'll get to it, we'll I suppose. Get, but I, I, yeah. I don't remember there being controversial moments in this. No, uh, because we ha- we have half a brain, Pete. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Superman goes to confront Godzilla, tries talking to him. Uh, yep. And Godzilla just kind of like, you know, his, his mouth lights up. And Godzilla's, uh, Superman's like, oh, well, I guess I'll take that as uh, not going to cooperate. Uh-huh. So Superman punches Godzilla, which is a glorious two-page layout. <laughs> uh, wonderful stuff. But then Godzilla tail whips Superman, and Superman goes flying through multiple yep. buildings before, dunk, dunk, dunk. yeah, before landing in one and being like, uh, "Sorry, guys, we've got insurance for this." Uh, <laughs> someone's very upset about his photocopier, uh, yep. and some of the Justice League are on their way to help. Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and Hot Girl are on their way. But mm-hmm. as they're on their way, they get reports that this isn't the only monster. There's a big mammoth-style monster at Themyscira. Yep. There's a big spidery one in, uh, where was that? That was Central City. And mm-hmm. there's a big bat-like creature, of course, in uh-huh. Gotham. And it's like, okay, we all have to split up then to go and try and deal with these various uh, monsters. So it's like, okay. Um, obviously, the other three that aren't Godzilla are all just kind of generic, no-name ones. And the, Yeah, we saw them in King of the Monsters, I believe, at least. At least the mammoth one. I remember. Yeah, I, I being... think there may have been a spider one as well, but they're, they're, they're just kind of on the monitor in the this... background. They're not like focused on. Yeah, ends. no. And this bat one feels very much designed for this series, which is fine, right? Oh, for sure. I... It's kind of like Rodan, but it's also using Sonics because yeah. it's a bat. So... I do wonder if like we're leaving some of the other big monsters off the table because if they get a sequel series, it's like okay, yeah. then we can do Ghidorah, we can do Mothra, we can do these other right. ones. Uh, for now, we're just going to stick to like some some red shirt villains, basically. Yeah. Plus, well, they're the, kind of the mudos, right? And the the, the scroll crawlers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Along those lines, the, so. the crappy generic ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Batman and his team are in Gotham, and they're unpursued. So is Black Canary, uh, which turns out to be fortuitous because Sonic's uh, because. Yep. It turns out, like, amplifying her sonic ability later is what brings this monster down. So, so Batman and Black Canary and I think just Cyborg's the only kind of superpowered uh-huh. there take down a kaiju on their own. So, uh, Batman don't need no help from uh, Superman and other Justice League members. No, but it also helps, though, that he had a sonic person in Gotham at the time. It does, yeah, I mean, the rest of You know years. what I mean? And he's able to use with... with because um, he also noticed that cyborg sonics right seem to affect it yes so yeah well here, here's the thing so one of the things that i really liked issue one for was the way it sort of used like little bits of like continuity or like character mm-hmm. traits to kind of fit in nicely with this new lore and that was stuff like grod reacting to kong or yep. toy man like using this like magic stone to wish all the <laughs> monsters into the main universe yeah here they do another smart thing where Wonder Woman's flying to Themyscira with Oliver and they notice Skull Island. They don't know what it's called uh-huh. that, but they notice Skull Island's in the water. It's like, hey, that island's not meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And Green Arrow's like, hey, land me and I'll investigate the island while you go and deal with the monster in Themyscira. And she's like, are you sure you're going to be here, all right here on your own? Because I, I don't know when I can come back and get you. And he's like, eh, it's not my first time on a like deserted island i'll, yeah, I'll be surviving fine. solo on an island i love yeah. that line i was okay so they're doing oliver queen on an island but it's skull island i'm like that's a yep. great way to like you know yep 
use the character in a way that sort of harkens back to who he is but in a new context mm-hmm. uh whereas toy man's now missing uh cheetah and manta are looking for the rest of the legion of doom but like when they came back to the real world they all get separated elsewhere and lex wakes up in his building and Mercy's like, Lex, wake up, you bald bastard. And he looks over <laughs> and Godzilla is like fighting Superman in the distance. Yep. And he's like, shit, what's, what's happening? I, I need to be briefed. <laughs> so it just sets up where everyone is. And mm-hmm. we go back to Superman and Hot Girl fighting uh, Godzilla. Uh, I do love that she tries to use the mace on Godzilla, right? Because it's nth metal. Uh, yeah, and Godzilla's know. like, you know, <laughs> what? That tickled, I guess. Yeah, like, uh-huh. no biggie. Uh, Jimmy like runs Lois off the roof to to try and get to safety. We get a lot mm-hmm. of the 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 Bat Monster fight at this point in the issue, uh, which actually my fa- my favorite thing in this issue. Oh, this mm-hmm. was so juicy. This was tantalizing. It was so good. All right. So Jason Todd is on a rooftop, and he's got a sniper rifle, and he's like, Batman. I've got a clear shot. I'm going to shoot it in the eye because that'll probably be its weak spot. I'm pretty confident. And Batman's like, no, we don't know what its weakness is yet. You may just draw its attention towards the city. Right now, me and Batwoman are in the Batplanes and we are like keeping its attention in the sky uh-huh. so it's not harming civilians. Making it attack down below where all the people are is a stupid idea. Let's not do that, Jason. And he's like, no, I think this is this is going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then Dick and Babs are both like, no, Jason, don't be an idiot. It's not worth the risk. And he's like, ah, no, 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 no. It's only a risk if I miss. I'm going to hit my target. So the idiot mm. takes the shot. He does shoot it in the eye. But would you believe it? It fires its sonic beam at the building Jason's on, killing the entire building. And mm-hmm. Dick yells out, save as many as you can. Mm-hmm. implying that there are casualties and then Dinah arrives and then basically afterwards Dick's like we told you not to do that Jason a building's now crumbled because of you and he's like oh now you're starting to sound like Bruce Dick and then you turn the page and Barbara knocks Jason out with a punch Just, it, it is Gardner-esque the way he goes down oh yeah and then <laughs> then cyborg arrives and dick says jason's finished and bab says needed to be done to which dana mm-hmm. says yup this book's got godzilla it's got king kong and it's got jason todd looking like a bitch getting what he deserves this book's got everything matt everything you could tell that booch isn't a fan of him <laughs> you know uh, anything that makes jason look a little punk where the rest yeah. of the bat family all well, are united and making it, him look like a punk yeah the best. it also helps when he's just he's being too headstrong and not listening right so he gets his he gets his comeuppance this this was this was the best jason scene ever i loved it that's the <laughs> Like, everything from him bickering with Dick, doing the stupid thing that's going to get people hurt, and then Babs knocking him out for it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Perfection, 10 out of 10, would read again. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they attach a big amplifier to, like, one of the bat planes, and Canary, like, screams into it, and it knocks yep. out the uh, the big bat kaiju. Uh, of course, they give Batman the walking away like a cool dude as the yeah. Bat Monster crash lands behind him, even though mm-hmm. he's not the one that really did the the taking down. But whatever, no. he, he gets his moment. It's, yeah, uh... he'll take credit for it though. So, 
back to Metropolis, Superman and Hot Girl are fighting Godzilla, and like they they point out that he's much quicker than he looks, even though he's really yep. big. And it basically slaps, it backhands Hot Girl, and she goes flying. Luckily though, Shazam shows up and catches her. Um yep. and we get a couple of really fun bits here where Godzilla's atomic breath ramps up, Superman fires up his heat vision. So we get that classic two beams of light, you know, firing and meeting in the middle. Which I, I have a problem with that just based off of the size of the heat vision <laughs> to the atomic breath. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Does it make a cool visual? Absolutely. Does it make much sense? No. So I mean, I, I'm willing to go with that. Uh, the big yeah. thing here is that uh, Shazam goes on to Godzilla's head and says mm-hmm. Shazam. So lightning strikes its head. Although Superman says, though, don't do that. That's a bad yeah. idea. And sure enough, now we've got Kid Billy falling off of Godzilla's yeah. head, who, by the way, is yelling, this is awesome, as Superman catches him. <laughs> but, uh, of course, Godzilla just fires up his atomic breath again, and oh. S- Superman's like, turn back now. But unfortunately, Billy only gets half the word out, and yep. the atomic breath hits Superman, and he has to protect Billy because he's holding him. Yep. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, wrapping his arms around him with a cape, and he's he's protecting him from the blast. But the final scene of this issue is Superman on the ground, burned to a crisp from a nuclear yep. energy because super because Godzilla's blast just hit him. Right. And Billy's Full like, force. yeah, because and- he had to protect Billy. So Billy's just like uh, Superman. You got to wake up. You got to wake up. Uh, so yeah. I do. I do love that we're not going to make Godzilla look weak by saying that he's ineffective against Superman. I think yeah. the full force of the atomic breath should put him down, not kill him, obviously, but it should. No, but it's going to knock him out for a minute. And this is what I read: people having problems with a lot of Superman fans thinking like Superman can just fly through an atomic storm and it's not going to affect him. And it's like, well, well, no, it's Godzilla's atomic breath. It it should. Yeah, it's, it's, it's concentrated. It's like it's a weaponized yeah. blast of atomic yeah. energy. And so they were very upset that Superman went down like a, a quote, punk, like he's Jason Todd. Ah, uh, no. When in reality, it's like, well, no, this is what should happen. And B, it's not like Superman just flew into it to, you know, to punch uh, Godzilla in the back of the throat to make him stop. He was saving Billy. Yeah. He was doing something very superman yeah so my, my key points in this one yeah. is that if this had no effect on superman or very little effect yeah it would make godzilla less of a threat to all the justice league so it, right. would, it would nullify like some of the story and two this is the consequence for billy not listening to him billy exactly. said shazam when he was on his head and this led to him needing to be saved which led mm-hmm. to this so that this was the consequences for billy's actions yes but unlike jason where you're like no you're being an idiot Mm-hmm. one billy's a kid so he's allowed to be a bit of an idiot right and two it does feel like he's learned a very quick lesson here because he's like yep. he looks very concerned when superman won't wake up here at the end so yep. lessons yep. have been learned this is just so, storytelling i think it's stupid yep. to be annoyed by this this makes me, sense to me, me too and that's why i said because we have half a brain so there are just some people out there there's much as i love superman right there's very much people out there that that because batman superman and they'll do because superman and it doesn't that doesn't help any of the story as much as because batman doesn't yeah and and just because batman's team takes down a monster i think it's pretty clear here that godzilla should be better than all those other no-name monsters like right you know and it took a full effect of of them and again 
This is issue two. You want Superman punching out Godzilla in issue two? Yeah. Or do you want a series to draw out the tension and suspense? Yeah, Godzilla like, should not be going down in issue two. Like no. Godzilla has to be sold as the big threat here. Right. Um and yeah, by the end, like Godzilla and Kong might even be teaming up with the Justice League to take on whatever mm-hmm. the real threat is. Probably yep. something that Toy Man concocts with his brain. Wishes, yeah. You know? Wishes and which oh, God. that also cracked me wait up. A minute, wait it a minute. was the wish stone. Wait a minute. Is he going to build Mecha Godzilla? Mecha Godzilla, or what if we get a, oh. a Kong Godzilla composite, like we get a Superman Batman composite that Toy Man makes? I don't know what that would look like. That'd be weird. But yeah, <laughs> I'm just but, I'm just thinking though, if he's going to make something, and because he builds toys, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, that's not a far cry from building a mech. Uh, no, okay, no. okay, I got ideas. I know I had a lot of fun with this again. I thought the Superman versus Godzilla fights looked great on the page. Yeah. Uh, Christian Juice is doing some of his best work he's here. I think my my main problem with this is not enough Kong in this one. We haven't got much Kong in one or two. So, uh, you see, coming. yeah, you see him briefly. I imagine you'll get yeah. that in the Oliver stuff next issue. Yeah. And I'm sure he's going to be treated like a big, huge deal, which is fine. Like, again, this is issue two. I'm not I'm not really holding it against it. Just as a Kong fan, I'm like, where's where's Monkey? Where's the big monkey? I yeah, I mean, the big you monkey. didn't even get Godzilla in the first issue really until no. the end, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I, know you, I know they showed you a little bit of it at the start just mm-hmm. so you got you wet yeah, your appetite no, a bit, but... It, again, it's not a real critique. It's just my my dumb brain wanting I mean, to see they, Big Monster. They set up in this issue that there's a monster in Central City in Themyscira, and we yeah. don't see either of those fights. I'm assuming we're going to see those next yeah. issue. We're going to see how The mm-hmm. Flash deals with one of these things. We're going to see how Wonder Woman deals yeah. with one of these things, so... Do, do we think that Kong's going to have his axe, or do we think that's not... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is meant to be in continuity with the movies. I think this yeah. might just be more of a general version yeah. of it, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Kong is in some way like brought mm-hmm. in to try and help fight Godzilla, yeah. maybe. But somehow they're all going to be on the same side by the end. Oh, like, that's yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 at the very least, I expect Superman and some of the others to respect Godzilla by the end. Mm-hmm whatever form that takes. Yeah, uh, I mean, he is a force of nature, and I feel like you have to have a healthy respect for forces of nature. Yeah. Right? They're still going to cause destruction, but, you know. I wonder as well if on some level the monsters are being, like, part of the, 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 the you know, toy man with the wishing stone is that yeah. he's controlling them to some extent to make them target the Justice League. Yeah. Uh, or, or at least target the places specifically. I wonder yeah. if, like, when they free the monsters of that control, if, like... Big G's kind of pissed about it. Like, all right, yeah. something was puppeteering no one, me. Yeah, no one controls me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the you know the god of this realm. So oh, yeah, very curious to see how this plays. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. I, I think it's using the characters well. I think putting Oliver on an island, on Skull Island, is a is a fun play on that character. I'm so excited, so excited for yeah. that. So I think he's done fun stuff with mashing these things up. You know, we've had a lot of these, you know, alternate versions of the Justice League doing stuff or crossovers, whether it's vampires, zombies, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think mixing Skull Island with, with DC lore is an interesting uh, mm-hmm. direction to take it in. So that's yeah. cool. For cool. sure. And again, I feel like I want to see the John C. Riley character in this. But we're probably not going I, to. I do not care. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the the Kong Skull Island nerd here. So. I assume you, you're going to watch Monarch, right? At some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I just, with with all the busyness that I've had, I haven't had a chance to sit yeah. down and watch it. Uh, so. They're not super like forty minutes or so each. Yeah. Uh, 
I will say the like you know there's a young version of the John Goodman character in it and there's some there's actually a direct reference in episode three to stuff that was sort of teased in the first Godzilla in 2014 hey. uh, and the backstory with Monarch and all that stuff yeah. so yeah, uh, I like all four of those movies. So more, more of this stuff. I'm, I suspect you'll in, enjoy uh, yes. Monarch. Well, and and it's got you know it's got a Russell in it. Yes. So I'm I'm more inclined to like it. Well, anyways. it's got two Russells in it. Yeah, well, I know, but you know, <laughs> I, I've heard Kurt wasn't in the first couple episodes that much. He's, he's so. a, he shows up at the end of the second, but he's he's all yeah. over three. He's he's like a okay. main character once he shows up. So sweet, yeah. Which I, I don't know if I've told you about my joke with my wife. Of, I'll ask if she wants to watch, you know, a movie that has Kurt Russell in it. And she won't realize he's in it, so she'll say no. So that my go-to is, why do you hate Kurt Russell? Um, I did that with Monarch, and she got very mad at me. Because <laughs> she didn't realize Kurt Russell was in it. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. She doesn't want to watch it at the time, so... But yeah, no, I'm, I'm catching up on Chucky right now. Uh, that's what I was watching before. So I didn't want to start Monarch before we started recording. Sure, um sure. but so I, I did get an episode of chucky watched uh, in between so which yeah. i'm really enjoying that one too yeah but, i've only watched season one of chucky uh mm-hmm. i enjoyed it though that uh, was a fun yes. time so uh but you know it is it is on the to watch list i might in fact when i'm working overtime tomorrow that might be what i catch up on so cool beans but no this is a really fun book uh is, i'm yeah. glad i did get caught up so yeah it's, um, it was just it was nice uh kind of like I was synergy because I watched the new Monarch episode yeah. yesterday and today read the the, the comic read this. and it just it was yeah. like oh yeah I, I got a glimpse of Godzilla in the episode and then here I got uh some some yes. action with the Justice League it was just a, a yeah. fun twofer so I I guess it's just really nice that they've lined up obviously the show will be over long before the comics done because the yeah. comics are monthly and the show is weekly but right. uh, it's just a nice little bit of synergy for a couple of months but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the new movie's out in March, I believe. Godzilla Cross yep. Kong. So we'll see how that is. Yeah. Uh, plus, we got a new Japanese Godzilla soon, and I'm looking forward to that as well. So I've heard good things about that trailer. Yeah, so... Godzilla minus one looks interesting. Yes. Uh, although movies are starting to sell like mathematical problems, which is not yeah, ideal. Well, I, but that's but also because <laughs> Godzilla's been around for like what sixty years? Yeah, 1954. Uh, yeah, so even more. Yeah. Uh, 70 years. It's just funny because we've got Godzilla minus one and we've, and we've effectively got Godzilla multiplied by Kong as the other one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would call that Godzilla X Kong, but that, that's me. I'm dumb. So, I don't know what the term... I think cross is yeah. the term that the fighting game is used when the, when it's ever... Whenever it's yeah. something X something, it's, 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 you say cross, right. but I don't... Because the whole point is it's, it means crossover, but I, I mean... Right. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what you're rating Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong? Um, I'm going to give this a solid eight. You know, I'm kind of inclined to say it as well. I had a lot of fun with this. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this is punching above any weight that it probably deserves to be punching above, but I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. It probably helps Ellie Godzilla a lot, So, but uh, I'm having a good time. All yeah. right, there you go. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week for it, panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and of course, top five books. And it's a bit of a fight this week because there's, there's 10 of them. Uh, yeah, and there was no outright stinkers. You know, last week we had uh, at least one really bad book to talk about. Yeah. This week, uh, I'll, you know, I think nothing was lower than a seven. So yeah, yeah, curious to see where we go with this. Uh, panel slash moment, Matt. What are you going with? Oh man, there is King Co- or King Co- <laughs> there's Godzilla and Superman. That that's a really good one mm-hmm. from uh, Matt. But um, just for sake of brevity, it's going to be from Wonder Woman. 
But which which one do I pick from? I am gonna go with her getting off of the elevator. I, that really tickled me. You know, yeah. her being bored and throwing the tiara, deflecting the bullets like it was nothing. That was all just a, a grade A moment. Oh, it's so tough. I'm I, I'm sure it probably is something from Wonder Woman for me as well. Probably the jet. Uh, that's pretty good. Because that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. I don't want to draw this out too much. The hunger's rising <laughs> in me, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping this shot. Especially mm-hmm. since I've not looked at covers yet, which leads us on to cover of the week, as I have yep. 10 tabs open to look at all these covers. Yeah, I was uh, doing that as we were talking about Godzilla Kong. So um, I'll, I'll shout ooh. out. There's a uh, Green Lantern War Journal by Mirko Kolak. It's a cardstock variant that's got like Warrior John on there, almost in silhouette. On this oh, yeah. reddish. Oh, there's oh, also God, super uh, cool. Is it uh, B Raza variant, yeah. which is a very colorful. It's like there's like a kind of space vortex behind yeah. them. It looks mm-hmm. very kind of painted. Looks uh, good. That looks quite nice. Uh, um, I, I just caught there's a Nightwing cover by uh, Mike Diodoto Jr. where Nightwing's yeah. standing in the rain. That's quite pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a uh, both of the variants for Jay Garrick are good. One's for Francis. It's got Jake running through, and then one by Shaner. Uh, where it looks like he's oh, running Shana, up a skyscraper. It looks super, super cool. Very but I, I have mine, um, which yeah, is going to make I me... Think, I think I know what mine I'm just looking for any other Arnold. Uh, the main cover yeah. for GSA is really good. Yannin mm-hmm. with uh, Grundy behind the GSA. I mm-hmm. think that looks really cool. Yep. Really atmospheric. The, the regular Wonder Woman cover looks pretty great, too. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's my pick, actually, is the regular Wonder Woman Ooh. cover. Oh, mine, mine is as well from Wonder Woman. Uh, but it's the... the Billquist Evely uh, variant that's got Trinity with her three lassos. Oh, okay. It, just, yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, so. It's got a few good covers, but I, I think mm-hmm. those main covers for Wonder Woman where it's like really emphasizing the white negative space, although yep. there's less of it in this one, but the the art from uh, Sempier on these these covers mm-hmm. has been so good. Uh, I just can't help but pick it. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. So, yeah, so Wonder Woman's gotten both cover and uh, moment of the week for me. Just yep. Just moment... Uh, now both for you as well yeah so wonder woman sweeping so far so that's a good sign uh, um yeah. all right uh art of the week matt um so shouts to montos for war journal that really good um yep. had a lot of good moments batman off world as well because uh, monkey always delivers yeah i was gonna say he deserves a shout out for sure yep yep um but i mean sampier we 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 did half of the review about the art from Zampier. yeah we uh, talked a lot about wonder woman for both writing and art so like obviously nicholas scott's good on titans dan moore Mm -hmm. is great on superman batman deuce was doing good stuff with godzilla but yeah it's sampier like there's no doubt Mm -hmm. in my mind that that's my pick for this week uh, honestly, the only gotcha. one that had kind of art that I'm even going to be negative about would probably yeah. be Superman because of the different artists. Because of all the smash-up, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that. Uh, so top five books, Matt. All right, number one is going to be Wonder Woman. Two is Green Lantern War Journal. Three is Titans. Four is Justice League Godzilla vs. Kong. And five is going to be... Five will be Jay Garrick. Yeah, that's actually a tough top five because number one's easy. Mm-hmm. Number one's Wonder Woman, right? There's yep. not a doubt in my mind. I rated that nine point five, but everything mm-hmm. else I had a, like I had mostly eights and seven point fives. You know, it was mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff. It was a good week, but it wasn't like you know some weeks you'll have like you know a, th- a few nines and a couple eight point fives, and it's really mm-hmm. easy to just rank them from that. Um, so I think for me, number one's Wonder Woman. Number two, 
Hmm. Yeah, I'll agree, War Journal. Eh, well. I'll go Titans. I'll go Titans, mm -hmm. and then Justice League, Godzilla, Kong, and then War Journal, and then I'll wrap up number five with... Oh, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll... It's I'll a really give, solid week. I'll give my fifth spot to... I'll give it to JSA. But it's... Th there's like four books that are all kind of roughly the same. I think JSA, Superman, Nightwing, and um, Jay Garrick are all kind of they're all in that same kind of space. They're jumbled. Yeah, so, so, so picking my last one there was quite tough, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, that'll do. Uh, I'll tell you then what's coming out next week from DC Comics. Oh, we just broke three hours, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. No. A lot of books and some of them had some meaty conversation. Yeah. Uh, next week, though, from DC Comics, we have coming out Detective Comics 1078, Action Comics 1059, Green Arrow issue 6, The Flash issue 3, Harley Quinn 34, Batman the Brave and the Bold issue 7, Penguin issue 4, Power Girl issue 3, Titans Beast World issue 1, we have mm -hmm. Alan Scott Green Lantern issue 2, Batman Neil Gothic issue 5, City Boy issue 6, we got Cyborg 5, Steelwork 6, Amazon's Attack issue 2, Batman 89 Echoes issue 1, so the sequel to Batman 89, um... And there's also Wonder Woman Outlaw Edition issue one, which is just a, a reprint, I believe, of uh, yeah. issue one. So still a pretty packed week. It's not as big as this week, but it's still no. reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I'm real excited for the action detective one D punch. Um, not so much for Green Arrow, because I'm reading that solo now. So um, Yeah, I've I've got eight books still. Like still mm -hmm. a healthy healthy week there see, so yeah. One, not bad not two, bad at all and, uh, and, I, and I've dropped Green Arrow so I, that's 8 not including that and I believe Brave and the Bold's not got the Tom King story until no it doesn't I just checked yeah I think it's so, issue 9 and, that has that and we'll see if I'm caught up on Flash yet I still haven't caught up with issue 2 so yeah I'm planning we'll, on reading Flash still uh, even yeah. though issue 2 was definitely not as good and it was a bit messy but yeah. you know I'm looking forward to Amazon's attack I'm obviously looking forward to Beast World kicking off uh, and then obviously Penguin's been has been good. Um, yep. You know, so yeah, uh, should be a, a pretty reasonable week. Uh, which means I'll probably mm -hmm. leave my Patreon books until the following week. I'll just double check, but I think the following week's going to be quite quiet. Uh, yeah, it's one, a week two, one. three. There's a couple. Of, well, there's a couple of Beast World one shots, but even with those, it's still a quieter week. So yeah, I'll, I'll leave my Patreon books for uh, week one of uh, December's books. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, everyone, because that is the end of Comics from the Multiverse, episode 383. At least I think that's the number I said at the start, but if I didn't... I believe it was. If I didn't, then who cares? We're at the end of the show and the hunger pains are starting to kick in. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash TV. It helps out a lot, but thank you for listening or watching. Uh, hit the like button on YouTube, rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Tell your DC Comics loving friends about us. Um, whatever it is, all of it does help and helps find more people for us to enjoy the show and help keep it going. So please do uh, any and all of those things or, or not. I mean, I'd, I'm not here to force anything. What would Superman do? Mm -hmm. That's what you should ask. Super Superman would, would help. <laughs> anyway, Superman would help. 
Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.